Hello, world, and welcome back to the Morning Geekdom Podcast. As always, I am your host, Anthony Matulin, and today I am joined by Rob. On today's podcast, we discuss Steven Spielberg's classic, Jaws. For those of you who are new to the podcast, the Morning Geekdom is a place where friends congregate to discuss all things pop culture. Hope you enjoy it. Let's get started. What we are dealing with here is a perfect engine. An eating machine. <laughs> a great white shark. A stake to claim in the waters off Amity Island. You yell barracuda. Everybody says, huh? What? You yell shark. We've got a panic on our hands on the 4th of July. This shark, swallow you whole. Whoever have one do this before? Oh. He's trying to run! You're gonna need a bigger boat. Rob, is Jaws the greatest film of all time? That's a big order. Um, I think it is in the top ten. Ooh. I wouldn't say the greatest film ever. I mean, that's a that's a hard read. Yeah, I'm I'm with you, man. But I don't know. Every time I watch it, I start to like. For me, it's 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 Jaws, it's Godfather one, and Godfather two. I don't know which order, but it's one of those three. You know, it has a lot of. Um, and again, this, this stuff is always generational. So what are we doing? Right. So um, it's <laughs> what it's you know you watch that movie, you get everything in that movie. You get mm-hmm. a little comedy, you get action, you get horror, you get drama. Um, it's it's hard to find that quality in a movie, you know, ever. Mm-hmm. But they're certainly out there. But I think the thing that Jaws has going for it is um, cultural impact, iconography, you know significant soundtrack. I mean, there's a lot of stuff going right. for Jaws that it, it it would be hard to argue that it's not in the top 10, right. but best movie, like if I'm on a deserted island and I only get to see one movie, I don't know if it's going to be Jaws. I don't see that's, and I might be with you, but every time, because I've watched it probably three times the last year, within the last calendar year, um, once for the podcast, obviously, once just on my own. And then Nicolette all of a sudden was like, hey, let's watch Jaws. And I was like, hey, you don't have to nice. fucking tell me. You don't have to ask me twice. <laughs> twist my arm yeah i'm with you though with watching it this watching it yesterday for the podcast i was struck with this has everything i want when i go to the movies now yeah it's tense it's funny it's shot beautifully it has great character development it has great chemistry and it's funny yeah it's fun they're they're having a good time like as i mean we're dealing with serious content and and it's horrible things, and it's death, and it's everything that goes along with it. But shit, it's a fun movie, and you're you're kind of along for the ride. It's a very watchable movie. Well, and it's it, well, okay. So uh, you're you're taking the words right out of my mouth, but it's like Jesus we've Christ, it's like we've yeah. talked about this before. We're on the same page. <laughs> it might be the most rewatchable movie in the last forty or so years. Ooh, 
again, because, you know, a lot of movies, a lot of older movies, especially movies from the 70s, they're slow. Yeah. You might love them. There's a ton of movies I love, but a lot of times they're slow. You know, you're like, okay, I've seen this movie a handful of times. I don't need to watch this part. Like, let me pick it up. Especially if you start watching something on TV opposed to, you know, owning it. Sure. This movie's not like that. You have to watch it from start to finish. Oh, yeah. You feel like you're missing. And again, as much as you may know the movie pretty fluently, but you, I agree with you. You want to see the entire thing. And and it really is two movies. It has oh. the beginning. It has the beginning, yeah. sure. which is it's a two hour, four minute runtime, roughly. You have the first hour, which is like they're investigating, they're building up what is, you know, what is this shark? What's the shark doing? They're looking into it. You have all these different characters. And then the last hour, when they get on the boat, it's another hour. It's a a film about friends almost, like buddies, and it's tense. And it almost turns into a, not a horror movie, because it's not a horror movie, but like like a suspense thriller almost. Oh, yeah. And and with unbelievable dialogue and and unbelievable characters and um, you know from the stuff that I've read as we're kind of talking about this stuff, um, you know one of the comments Spielberg had before he, you know, started the movie was that he wasn't engaged with the book mm-hmm. because the characters were so flat. And kind of in retrospect, as you're kind of like going through the characters, you're like, holy cow! It's like no, those characters aren't flat at all. That that kind of goes to show how much screenplay had to do with the success of the movie right. and how much the direction had to do with the movie to well, make it so good. And he allowed, from you know doing research, it seemed like he allowed the, the actors uh, a lot of time to, to you know, they, they, they weren't going off the script. They were improvising quite a bit. Yeah. So, I mean, the, I, I the, think... The, the best line in the movie is, you're going to need a bigger boat. And it was ad-libbed by Roy Scheider. Yeah. Who I think is almost underrated in this movie. Because I think that, you know, I think that, that Hopper and Quint are like the stars. And I think you're either, you're pro Hopper or you're pro Quint. You're not usually pro both. Right. But Roy Schneider is the the straight guy, the backbone to this movie. Yeah. And does what he needs to do. And that's like professionalism in acting. Not to kind of go like way off the deep end. But to be, to be able to be, you know, not necessarily, I don't know if he headlined it or Robert Char headlined it. One of the two, obviously, were, were the big deals. Right. But to be able to share the spotlight with all of the other actors, shit, you don't get that stuff anymore. It's, it, it's all one. You what? Who is your hero? Yeah. And in this case, we got three, like three well-developed, solid, relatable heroes. Yeah, I'm with you. And But it's funny because I don't think that this movie is any of their movie. Yeah, it's a good point. It's the when, Sharks movie. Yeah, it's when Bruce's I think movie. about Jaws, I don't think about any... I mean, I think about scenes with each of the main characters, but I don't I don't identify this movie with any of them. You know, at, at the, the arguing point would be on Roy Scheider because you know, he's hard to kind of find another movie. Like, he's French Connection. Like, I get that. Yeah. And then he was... What was it? Sequest? Yeah, he was like... Looking through his IMDb, he had some like hits before this. He sure. was always on that... You know, I'm not, I wasn't alive at this point. So I'm looking at it all, you know, going back, revisionist history. But he had like, he was like borderline movie star at that point. He was not, he he wasn't the leading man per se, but he was always like the second guy. Right. A a good actor's actor. You know, somebody you you would want to work with. And I I dare you to find that guy right now. Yeah. Yeah, no, (laughs) we're not going to go down that rabbit hole. Who would you cast if they remade Jaws? If they fucking Ugh. ever remake this movie, it's it's I can't do it. 
it's going to happen, buddy. It's going to happen. It would all be digital and, oh, God. Ugh. And that's ugh. the nice thing is we have so many movies to, like, look at to be like, you don't want to re- really redo Jaws because it would look like Deep Blue Sea or freaking Sharknado or one of those freaking yeah. things. Although I did watch, uh, you know, I think we've talked about it on the pod. I don't know if you and I have talked about it, but I watched The Shallows, uh, oh, quite, yeah. I mean, quite a while ago. I actually enjoyed that movie up until the end. The end was kind of hokey, but I thought that was a actually a well-done shark movie that was um, Deadpool's wife on a dinghy right Blake Lively is a surfer and she her, her mother passes away oh. and she's estranged from her father and she kind of goes on her own vacation and she ends up going to I don't remember what country it is and she's surfing on this beach that I believe her and her mom used to go to and there ends up being a a whale, I don't know if it's a humpback whale, sperm whale, whatever it is, that is floating de- dead, essentially. So all these animals are coming to feed on it. Oh. And because that, she doesn't know when she's out surfing and it's, you know, an isolated beach and and she ends up cutting herself um, on, on the coral, on the reef, and oh. then shark is there. Gotcha. Yeah. And yes, she ends up being on a, on a dinghy. It's a dinghy, yeah. But yeah, the Not shark a- won't leave because they're feeding on... Seals. Uh, no, they're feeding on this this whale that's that's floating. Oh, 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 gotcha. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so I think I I think now you can say you've seen the shallows because I just I did it. I did she make it off the dinghy? She does. Yes. Spoiler. Got it. All right. But the ending is super hokey. So yes. Oh, so did somebody save her? Or did she come off on her own accord and uh, outran she, the shark and shit like that? She ends up like the shark ends up impaling itself. In oh, the shark killed itself on accident. Yeah. Whoops. The whole, oh, hey, what? we're going to lead you to this area. Oh, I'm yeah. going to move real fast, and you're going to impale yourself. Oh. Yeah. How's the shark look? Good. Oh, it does? Yeah. Not like Deep Blue Sea? No, no. It's not Deep Blue Sea. It's not a, no. it's not a tongue-in-cheek movie. It's pretty, I mean, it's just her. It's it's a pretty quiet movie. There's not a whole lot of dialogue. Um, it's not Deep Blue Sea at all. It's not hokey. To its credit, I kind of like Deep Blue Sea. Um, <laughs> Deep Blue Sea is something you, you throw on. It's like the guilty pleasure. Yeah, it is. But uh, I can honestly say I do not like it. There's plenty of shit movies, Roadhouse, things like that, that I enjoy quite a bit. Deep Blue Sea is not one of them. Gotcha. I can't deal with uh, LL Cool J as as the preacher who has a parrot and who is saying Bible verses throughout the whole movie. He's not the preacher, man. He's the cook. Yeah, but he's also like a preacher. I mean a preacher in the sense that he's religious. I don't know if he was definitely- I uh... Don't they call him like the preacher or something? I thought they called him the cook. No, man. <laughs> we'll, we'll look into it <laughs> Am I it being shitty bit. about it? I don't think I'm being shitty about it. Yeah. He was the cook. He was, he was feeding the parrot the cream. And yeah, he, he was the cook for sure. in the oven at one point. But oh. I think that they called him. <laughs> He's doing it's double fun. duty. He's doing double duty. I mean, you're in your, when you're working for like a secret government project with Sam Jackson, I mean, you got to do what you got to do. And the Punisher. You know what's funny is, so Thomas Jane, I, we yeah. see at Comic-Con every single year. Oh. He's always barefoot. Like walking around the con barefoot? Walking around the hotel, to the con, Ew. everything barefoot. Ew. Unless he's doing the actual panel. So unless he's like dressed to go to do press. Yeah. If he's just like walking around, getting coffee, like whatever, he's always barefoot. That's pretty gross. It's weird. Ugh. Fucking people. That's super weird. Man. Fucking Hollywood weird, weird people, man. Ugh. Man, just... Freaking, just last week, it was, uh, not to bring it back to school, but let's bring it back to school for a minute. The kids are walking <laughs> around senior prom freaking barefoot. Like, as soon as they walk, they walk in with these, like, 
ridiculous heels. Sure. And within the first 13 minutes, the heels are off and these kids are walking all over the place barefoot. And it's one thing to kind of like walk around like the lobby and then the dance floor. And it's like ick, like I get ick. But then they go into the fucking bathroom. Oh, no, man. Nope. What the hell's wrong with you? Nope. (laughs) Put on a pair of Crocs, be normal, and then like go to the bathroom. But now they walk around barefoot. No. First of all, don't ever say put on a pair of Crocs and be normal. But I'm with you, dude. Don't walk into the fucking. Oh, God. You don't have a pair of Crocs? No, man. I don't have any Crocs. You never had a pair of Crocs. Never had a pair of Crocs. I was thinking recently about getting a pair of Birkenstocks. Nice. <laughs> um, but I mean, I feel like once you get the Burks, yeah, that's that's like a that's like a pivotal moment in life. Sure. Like pre this date, I didn't have Burks. Now I have Burks, and you're a Burk guy. Yeah, and then soon you're gonna be socks and Burks guy. No, I don't think so. But you uh, never it know. Happens. It never just know. roll one rolls right into the other. <laughs> you you have a summer. Uh, Assistant principal, I got Burke's vibe. <laughs> I do not own Birkenstock, and okay. I also don't earn, own um, Crocs. Okay, just flip flops. Just flip flops. Do you have Tevas? No, I I have uh, what he calls um, Adidas soccer oh, slides. You, wait, you have slides? Yeah, I do. Oh man, that's my regular summer like going out shoe. Bobby Leonard with the sauce. So here's what's funny. So I last <laughs> night I go to a, a a very good friend of mine. We used to uh, I used to work with his wife like immediately next door. So I was art teacher. She was the English teacher. Lovely woman. She just retired a couple of years ago. It was his seventieth birthday and okay. lovely. So they you know, had a big bash and the whole thing. So the the place where they had the uh, birthday party was at a couple's house and it's it's a gentlemanly couple and good for them and like right on you like no big deal um but i went without heidi heidi actually ended up pulling a uh, calf muscle yesterday doing oh. krav maga and uh, no big deal you know my my wife can kick anybody's ass so um no i had to go solo <laughs> and and part of it was like I went, I had a good time. I you know I knew a handful of people, but I just you know friendly guy I go and talk to everybody. But usually, <laughs> what happens is I have two general kind of groups of people that like gravitate towards me a little bit more than the others do. Okay, the first is older, larger black women. For some reason, are very interested in talking to me. I don't know what it is about me, but okay. Like, that's one group of people. Cool. And then the other thing are usually very stylish homosexual men. Okay. And in this particular case, they were loaded with like homosexual men because they sure. just have a lot of gay friends. And um, I got to tell you, I was kind of a little lonely last night. So I'm like, I come home and Heidi's like, how was that? I was like, oh, it was great. It was great to see everybody. I was like, but you know, I was kind of disappointed in myself. Like nobody kind of wandered over. And Heidi's like, well, what'd you wear? I was like, well, I wore this shirt. And I wore these shorts and I wore those shoes. And she's like, the Skechers? And I was like, well, yeah. She's like, why did you wear Skechers? I was like, well, my mom just got them for me. She's like, that's why these guys aren't talking to you. <laughs> so I'm like, oh, I guess I got to like better prep my wardrobe knowing uh, what my audience is going to be looking at. So, um, yeah, apparently I had a you know slow night last night based on my footwear. Rob, <laughs> did you just say you wore Skechers your mom bought for you? I absolutely did. You're like a 42-year-old man. Why is your mom buying My you shoes? My mom bought me Skechers for Father's Day. She was like, hey, you need sneakers. Here's a pair of sneakers. I'm you like, can't have Skechers, mom. man. We need to do. You can't perpetuate that stereotype of being a assistant principal with Skechers. 
I'm going to wear the Skechers to your house. That's I, I just <laughs> want you to be comfortable. So, like, whatever oh, you need to be comfortable, buddy. You know, mm-hmm. if you got to wear Skechers to Comic-Con so your feet are comfortable, you got to do what you got to do. They were very comfortable. They had the uh, the foam inserts, like the oh. memory foam thing. Oh, yeah. They were yeah. lovely, but apparently not lovely enough. Okay. So. Well, just don't, good. just don't, just don't be, I'm trying to think of the right word. Just don't be upset if we're at Comic-Con and you're not getting any attention from anybody because you have <laughs> Skechers. Uh, fashion you have, before comfort, isn't that what it is? It's uh, fashion over function. Fashion over function. So I'll, I'll do fashion. So I'll bring my slides and stuff. I, so I live my life fashion over, fashion over function. So oh. at some point I will not be happy with life decisions at Comic-Con, but I'll <laughs> at least feel like I look good. That's all that matters. As long yeah, as you're man. looking good. That's all that matters. Yeah. <laughs> and some devil. What, what are we talking about again? Oh, Jaws. Jaws. We're talking about Jaws. <laughs> I'm kidding. Do you? What year were you born? 1977, sir. So obviously, 75, you did not see this movie. I did not see this movie. This what? was one of my first VHS movies. What? A, okay. And that's a whole other topic on this movie. And I think why this movie is so successful. When did you, when did you see this movie? Do you remember the first time you saw this movie? Not like I remember the first time I saw E.T., Back to the Future, you know, Star Wars, Empire. You know, those movies have a special place to where I remember them. Okay. Jaws, I just kind of always saw, and I didn't really have, like, the resurgence of, like, affection for Jaws until it came out on DVD, and that was, like, 2002, maybe. Okay. Yeah, there um, were, there's reading about this. There was a hole in the in the... Late 70s, VHS weren't readily available, right? Not every right. movie came out on VHS. And this was one of the movies that every, it seemed like every single person, based on statistics I was looking at, like owned this movie. Yeah. Like everybody owned this on VHS. Except for Bob Leonard. Bob, Bob Leonard used to um, rent videos and then um, like record them on the other. Oh, VC- yeah. So we had two VCRs, so we used to do that game. We used to dub the videos, no mm-hmm. big deal. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, I think Statue of Limitation has probably expired on that, so you're probably good. You're probably the FBI good. are currently knocking his door down. Yeah, where's all those VHS, Bobby? Where's all those Mom, VHS? Bob. Yeah. All right, so 75, this came out. Uh, should I read the synopsis? Let's do it. Let's do it. When a killer shark unleashes chaos on a beach community, it's up to the local sheriff, a marine biologist, and an old seafarer? Seafarer? What the hell is a seafarer? I don't know what a seafarer is. S e a f a r e r, fairer. I guess seafarer. Seafarer. Well, that, all right. Anyways, an old seafarer to hunt the beast down. No. Oh. No, there's so much more to that movie. So much more. <laughs> yeah, there's so much more to that movie. All right. Seafarer. Seafarer. How about S-E-A- like grungy fisherman? How about like pirate? Yar. <laughs> Be, uh, it's based on Peter Be- Benchley's 1974 bestseller. Sure. You know anybody who's read this book? No. I don't know anybody who read this book either, but apparently it was like a phenomenon. No. I think I we I think we're pushing our age on that one. I imagine before it came out, it was a relatively popular book, but it, it the the movie has surpassed the book a billion times over. It has, but yeah. apparently they said like it's at one point before this movie came out when this book got put onto paperback like you could go to the beach and see like multiple people at the beach always reading this book. Oh cool. Yeah, which is really. just weird to me. Sure. 
Like, why do you want to be at the beach reading a book about a giant, <laughs> giant shark? <laughs> because you're there. You could put yourself there. All right. When this, when you saw this movie for the first time, sure. level of, of wanting to go back into any body body of water was what zero. zero. I was, I was that kid. I, I was young enough to, to like get freaked out by even putting my feet in what I mean, even in my pool, sitting on the toilet, the <laughs> bathtub, like I was that kid, like just don't go into the water, like period. Okay. Um, but what it also provided was endless hours of just, you know, pretend and kind of kidding around with my big sister and playing around with the kids in the neighborhood, like playing jaws in the pool. You know, and just kind of like, you know, the, the kids would have their eyes closed and you yeah. kind of walk around and you have your like hand up out of the water like you're the fin. And it's um, it was emotionally traumatic in a very different kind of way okay. than anything else, because it was something that was very real. Like this is this is something that could absolutely happen. It yeah. was not that out of uh, the ordinary. But my parents being, you know, my parents and lunatics. um, shit they weren't like you know modern day like if my kid came down and was just like hey i really you know like it was a good movie but i really don't want to like go in the water anymore because it's like freaking me out Mm -hmm. i would be like oh well you know it's make-believe it's okay you know we can go in the water and i'll kind of show it like my parents were not those people okay my parents were like you bet your ass you're not gonna go in the water that shark is gonna kill you as soon as you put a (laughs) toe in it and like sitting on the toilet are you out of your mind like you should hover about 10 feet above it so like yeah my parents were you know well, to be fair, I mean, this movie really, n- nobody studied sharks during this time. Oh, yeah. Like, this was really, like, people thought that sharks were man-eaters and that they were evil and all they did was kill and eat and kill. So, like, this was real shit, man. Now, 2019, we have enough information to know, like, sharks actually aren't man-eaters. They rarely attack humans. Like, it's not reasonable to think that. No. I mean, we got 20 years of Shark Week behind us. For sure. So, um, Yeah. I'm, I'm it's a little like hard you, to bite into that. I'm like you, though. So when I was, after I, I, I don't remember when I saw this movie for the first time, but I just remember being a child. I would go visit my grandparents in Arizona. They all had pools, and I was terrified to go in the pool by myself, especially if, so in Arizona, they have pool covers that will heat your pool naturally from the, the sun hitting them, and sure, they would like only the, like uh... roll them back a certain distance sometimes like if i was the only one who wanted to go in the pool they would just roll it back halfway like the bubble wrap stuff what's that it looked like bubble wrap yes yes that stuff sure but they would only roll it back halfway dude i was convinced jaws was at that other end of the pool oh without a doubt am i well first of all let's go through the various safety uh pieces that they have just thrown caution to the wind Mm -hmm. so who's out there watching you uh, B, if nobody. you get caught underneath that spot where the solar cover is, dude, you're dead. Like, why are these people <laughs> keeping an eye on you for the inconvenience of, like, Uncle Steve, who doesn't want to put the cover back on from the lawn? Well, to be What's fair, going on out there? like, they don't, they roll it halfway. So, like, half of the pool's covered, half the other pool's not covered. So, you just know, like, don't go over there. <laughs> I mean, sure. There were, Rob, there's a number of times as idiot kids when the parents aren't around that the cover was up and we would try to run across the cover. Of course. That's even worse. There was a time that, you know, you you have the fence in the pool. Yeah. And then you're like, you're swimming along the side of the pool. And then you try to go like behind the fence. Oh, my God. I almost died about 15 times from the ages of like (laughs) five through 27. (laughs) Not to mention, not to mention the times we jumped off the roof into the pool. Oh, my God. Oh, you were that kid, huh? Yeah. Dude, the, Off the my, roof to a four foot. No, my grandma's pool, for whatever reason, was incredibly deep at the deep end. Like, oh. make your ears hurt deep. 
Nice. Uh, and they had like a massive springy diving board. So oh, you cool. could do like a double gain. Like you could do two flips off of it. Nice. So I just remember even the parents, dude, even like my dad jumping off the, the fucking, the, the roof into the pool. <laughs> Lunatics. Yeah, of course. So they're going to want to be like, yeah, yeah, you can do it too. And then they had a, uh, like a water feature, like a waterfall that went into the pool with like stones. Of course wow. we got out of that and jumped into the pool too. How, like, what the heck? You guys are living the life out there. We just had an above ground pool with a ladder. Yeah, this is Arizona, <laughs> dude. You got to have a pool. I guess. I mean, it's New York. We had a pool. I mean, if you had an above ground pool, yes. it was like a bathtub. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No bathtubs. Arizona, man. You got, it's 800 degrees. You got to have a pool. So I don't think I talked to you about this yet, but I was on the swim team in high school. Oh, no, you didn't. Yes, I did. So I was, you know, a, and this is funny. I was a breaststroker. This mm. is funny. But, you know, 100 breast and then uh, 50 free and like whatever they would mm-hmm. like stick me mm-hmm. in. NBD. So, yeah, <laughs> no big deal. Uh, varsity, <laughs> uh, two years in a row. No big deal. So, um, uh. so we're at practice one day. And um, we're idiots, and we knew we were idiots. That's true. So how the pool in uh, Farmingdale High School was, was lane one was all three foot, like okay. straight across, which is very unsafe, but that's how it was. And as you went from lane one to lane six, it slowly got to like seven feet. So mm-hmm. that was the slope. So all lane six, seven feet, all lane one, you know, three and a half feet, whatever it happened to be. So we were doing starts one day. And we're just like kidding around and being idiots. So you know how you jump off like you know the side of a pool and you got you grab like your foot and you kind of like do that thing. Yeah, of course. So we're doing that thing. Um, <laughs> so I do that thing <laughs> off the starting block, uh-huh. and I screw up, and I lose form, and I go head first, and I bang my skull on the fucking bottom of the pool. Oh yeah. Okay. So I hit my head as hard as humanly possible. Um, I like smash my face coming back up because you're kind of like, Ugh! so, and then I come back up to the water. So my coach, nowhere to be found, no <laughs> lifeguards, everybody else is swimming. I crawl out of the pool. I, and I'm just like, Bleh, and I walk into uh, the coach's office where there's a mirror and I look and I'm like a Bugs Bunny cartoon. I see the bump forming on my head and it's just going boop. <laughs> but what was really funny is I hit so hard I had the tile marks of the pool embedded no into my skull. Way. So I bumped this <laughs> and then my nose is completely broken and busted because I smashed my face on the bottom of the pool. And I come out of the pool and I, I like find wherever the coach was. She was like doing shots of scotch somewhere. And I'm like, hey, um, I think I need to go to the hospital. Face is bleeding. And she's like, oh, my God. So she sits me down, gives me one ice cube out of her lunchbox and then calls my mom. I'm like, I have skull and neck trauma and you're calling my mom with an ice cube. You're like, I probably so- have a concussion as well. Right. I'm like, I'm prob and neck sprains and I could be like, and so whatever. So my mom comes um, and my mom's like, what the hell did you do? And I was like, I had my head on the bottom of the pool. She's like, you're an idiot. Get in a car. And like, no, like caution is completely thrown <laughs> to the wind. And it's like, you're fine. Get there. MRIs, CAT scans, the whole thing. So long story short, <laughs> broken nose, um, slight concussion, sprained neck, but like everything Dude, else was fine. Sprained neck. But the funniest thing was this embedded tile mark on my head, and it was a cross. So it looks like I was like a demon child that had a crucifix placed right against my skull, <laughs> and then it embedded into it. So that is the last oh time my God. I was allowed to swim in Farmingdale High School. You're lucky that didn't happen and Jaws was in the pool 
because of the blood, you would have gotten me. Oh, they would have just solely just picked me up and just kind of. It would have been a wrap. It would have been game over. That's my story. You have left lived such a weird life, dude. (laughs) Such a weird life. I've dove into a pool. You know, I'm not going to go into the whole story. Nicolette and I first started dating. You know how they have the set, like the starts off the, like you were saying, the little diving yeah, board. blocks, sure. I thought I was going to be cool. Her family was there. I dove, but I didn't dive far enough out. I ended up going like straight up and down. Same thing. And Boom. I had, yep, my arms like collapsed as it hit. I had my arms completely out, hit the bottom, collapsed forehead into the, into the, the floor, into the nice. bottom of the pool. And I just ended up biting like pretty hard down onto my tongue. And Ow. spitting out blood. But then I got out and I was like, I'm good, I'm good. And then I went into the bathroom and I was like, I'm fucked up. <laughs> but I couldn't let anybody see that. But you didn't bite your tongue off, right? No, but it was pretty it was pretty good. It was like it was well, pretty oh, bloody. Yeah. Say I every kid needs to do it at least once. Yeah, I mean I was just trying to you know, Nicola and I had just started dating. I was trying to be super cool guy. Are you in teens at this point or are you in your twenties at this point? Uh I don't remember, man. Like teens probably, late teens. Nice. Yeah. All right. Bonehead. Bonehead Anthony. Yeah, yeah. Let's get back to Jaws. Come on. Figure it out. Steven Spielberg. You ever heard of him? Spielberg. I've heard of him. All right. Directed this movie. Yeah. I'm shocked. big movie. That it's only his second feature film. The first one was what? Duel? No. No, no, no. What was it? See, I knew you were going to fucking ask me this question. What? The first one was uh, (sighs) Spacing. Spacing. It wasn't Duel with the trucks? Was that a TV movie or was that a feature film? No, that was a TV movie. That's, that was with the 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 car and the the giant eighteen wheeler. Where I, like you know, I, fighting on the highway. I said feature film. Oh well, excuse me. Not TV movie. He had, he did a uh, bunch of TV. He did some episodes. Yeah. He did. Uh, he did. I, I think like you're correct. He did that movie Duel. Um, but his first movie was, and I'm looking it up, and you're supposed to be helping me fill here. <laughs> I'm totally not. I'm just staring at Definitely the wall. Definitely not stalling like you answer. should be. Which you know. I, I listen, I just it. gave you a 20-minute story of me smashing myself on the face on the floor of the pool. That's okay, buddy. This is good podcasting. Sugarland <laughs> Express was his first movie. Sugarland Express? What the hell is that? Goldie Hawn movie. And oh, with got, Ch- No, it's not with Chevy Chase. Who's she in there with? He got this film. He got Jaws because the same people who produced Sugarland Express did Jaws. Richard Zanuck? Correct. Uh, nice. Goldie Hawn, Ben Johnson, Michael Sachs, Sachs. William Atherter. I mean, none of, not a big heavy hitter cast here. William Atherton, is that the guy from Ghostbusters? Yes, and and uh, Die Hard. Nice. All right. So Spielberg, second Spielberg. movie, coming right. hot out of the gates. Yeah, he is. Can you imagine? Like, I don't know what else to compare this to. Well, how old was he? Let's let, let's put in a little perspective. Was he still in his 20s? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think he was like 25, 26. God bless him. Yeah, I mean, like, it's it's... Sometimes that's really what you kind of need is that super excited young kid who's kind of thinking of ways um, of how to do things new, but still has a respect for things, you know, that have happened before that. And sometimes you just kind of look at somebody like this guy is brilliant. He's going to be able to do this. And I wonder if that's how they did it. I think you have to look at it, too, that he was just dumb, like not dumb in the sense of making the movie. He was just naive Yeah. because the the gentleman, you know, Peter uh, Benchley, who's the, the writer of the book said that he didn't think he would ever get this book sold and was not con- not worried about getting it sold to be a movie because in this time he was like there's no way they're ever going to be able to make this movie or this right. book into a movie because of the effects that would take place that need to be take you know that need that needed to be sure. so Spielberg gets the movie 
And instead of filming like on a back lot or something like that, he decides, hey, we're going to go film in the actual fucking ocean. On location. At on Martha's location, Vineyard. Martha's sure. Vineyard. The whole thing. Like, how yeah. dumb is that? <laughs> you know, on, on, on a lot of ideas, it's kind of like, well, it's great because everything's right there. So you don't have to make anything. Sure. Um, but on the other sense, you just kind of give up, you know, the idea of like any sort of control with water or with, you know, weather or anything Mother else nature, like that. man. But what, you know, what's appealing about Martha's Vineyard is the water is so super clear and the water isn't particularly deep. So they really thought that between the two of them, they'd be able to work that shit out. But all, clearly they weren't able to. All good ideas until you find out that they've only tested the shark in regular water. In fresh water. And then they awesome. go into salt water and it literally <laughs> sinks on the first day of filming. Isn't that cool? Is it? It's so cool. It is cool. <laughs> and I'm going to tell you why it's cool. Because it's one of those things, especially as a young guy with like his, all right, this is the, the, his second movie. Right. Um, and you have a guy here that's like, I have to like pull this shit off because there's too much writing on it. And so many people are trying to listen to me and there's a lot of faith in me. So I just have to make it happen. And it's in those creative moments that I think true genius comes out. And I think that's what we showed in Jaws. What? Like the important piece was not the shark. It was the people. Well, I think, again, this is why he ends up being the perfect person to direct this is because he's so naive and so enthusiastic. He's like, we're just going to get it to work. Yeah. And it doesn't. It's going to happen. But it does. You know what I'm saying? Like, by all accounts, the shark never works. Right. Every shot they said of the shark that they got it working is in the film. <laughs> There's like nothing else or minimal that that minimal shots or minutes of the film or of the shark working that aren't in the film. Like everything, they put everything into it. And that goes back to an appreciation for, you know, film history that I think Spielberg has, that he understood that you didn't need to see the shark and you didn't need it to work. You just needed a presence or just something to exist or even just a visual of it enough to make it work. But I think that's he didn't go into it with that idea. He went into it thinking the shark is going to work because it worked into it with E.T. Yeah. All the sharks worked in the shark worked in all the testing because they tested it in freshwater. So he didn't have to adapt and make it, you know, the, he didn't have to make the shark not be in the movie till essentially the second half because of that reason. Right. Yeah, a blessing in disguise. It is, yeah. And I mean, obviously he stole a lot of that obviously from, from Hitchcock, I think. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is great. Like the illusion, the illusion of the shark. And I think that's what freaked us out as kids, because we didn't need to be able to see the damn shark in the pool or the toilet or the bathtub. No. It was just the thought that it might be there was enough to freak us out. The thought, and then you hear John Williams score. Boom. Yeah. Boom. Okay. So. You know, I'm going to keep going. No, I would love it. Just keep going while I talk. (laughs) 97% Rotten Tomatoes critics. 90% audience. I'm surprised it's that low. Get the fuck out of here, audience. Yeah, like what? What are you looking for in a movie, man? Marvel movie, apparently. <sighs> yeah. What's What's the hi- just off topic here? What's the highest rated movie on um, Rotten Tomatoes there's regarding the the th- audience? There's a bunch. Like, is there a hundred percent score? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, uh, audience wise, I'd have to look. I know critics wise, yeah. like a couple of the Toy Stories have a hundred percent. Yeah. Um, there's movies that have a hundred percent. I don't know. It's it's I I would be hard pressed for someone to argue why Jaws wouldn't be like I wouldn't say a perfect movie, but I'm it's pretty damn close. But again, uh, you know, Rotten Tomatoes they don't release their algorithm. They don't release how they come up with this. When the critics fill out their little review, they're not saying like this is a ninety percent, ninety seven percent movie. 
So I don't right, know what their old. algorithm is when they gain all this or they, when they collect all this information, like how they do it. It's just a, a talking point for us. Sure. You know? Always. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I, I think in the Rob Leonard, Anthony Matulin scale, I feel like this is 100 on our kind of little world here. I can honestly say that this might be a hundred. I can't pick apart any. I can't pick anything apart from this movie. There's nobody that I would recast. There's no shots that I'm like this is just doesn't work. There's a couple movies I feel like this again. Godfather one, Godfather two as well. Um, This film, I would say, Shawshank's probably one of them as well. There's nothing I can really pick apart in Shawshank. Um, The Wizard of Oz is one. Yeah, I know that sounds hokey. And then Empire and Willy Wonka. Sure. And I don't think that's lazy critiquing. I think that is a legitimate, you know, sometimes you you need the standard to which everything else is judged. Yep. And I think, you know, all those movies you just named are, are a good standard to follow. Yeah. Yeah. I think, again, d- depending on which genre you're looking at, I think that those are all some of the top top films in their, in their genres. Yeah. Now, here's a good question. If you kind of reflect on um, Spielberg, did we talk about this once? I think we did uh, in the Indiana Jones podcast okay when you're thinking spielberg what's what's your go-to movie what is going to be on the tombstone when steven spielberg goes that's a great question that's a question i was going to have for you a little later but let's just since you brought it up let's do it what is his so i had is this his best film uh for me it's i i narrow it down to four films for spielberg it's going to be raiders jurassic park et and jaws yeah those are the the four. Now, if I'm going to go what's strictly the best out of those four, it would be then narrowed down to Raiders or Jaws, and I think Jaws is going to be going to going to win. Jaws is just a little bit more sophisticated than Raiders. Got a lot more. He's using a lot of different you know movie magic, a lot of techniques that then he's going to go on to be famous for. Yeah. Uh, but it's oh. one of those two. And the, but I think the one obviously the one that I personally enjoy the most out of that group is going to be Jurassic Park. And that's funny because Jurassic, out of that grouping, Jurassic the Park is Jurassic the Park. Jurassic Park is the the least I associate with Spielberg, and I don't have a good reason why. Sure, but like obviously it's his movie, but like the, he's that's not the top four for me. Yeah, no, I, I get that. I think that yeah, you know, I've talked about it multiple times. I think that if I had to pick one movie that left the biggest impact on me as a child, it's Jurassic Park. That's gotcha. one of the first movie going experiences where I left and I was like, I fucking love movies. <laughs> awesome. Um, and and jo- or, uh, E.T., Raiders, and Jurassic Park are all in my top ten. Jaws is not in my top ten. And it's funny because we're looking at – and I agree with it, Jaws, E.T., and Raiders. I mean, and that's the thing. It's so early in his career. Th- those movies are within years of each other, just a handful. Yeah. Jurassic Park pushes it a little bit more like late 80s, early 90s, right? Jurassic Park came out in uh, 92, 93. I think it actually came out okay. in 93. And Jurassic Park out of those four is the most Hollywood too. Oh, yeah, sure. Biggest budget. Um, you know, I think it's probably the, some of the f- most famous source material. Sure. Um, but yeah, yeah. But I, I, I'm with you because E.T. came out, what, 85? 83. So, yeah, it was 83, 84. Someone then I got Okay. Words. And Raiders came out in what, 81? Yeah. Yep, so yeah, so right you have 75, Empire. 81, 83, 84. So, the, yeah, those are all almost sequential. And those guys, it, and again, it's the brilliance. It, you know, for people who don't kind of like didn't grow up in that time or have any idea what that time is, it was the heyday of movies. It really was. Because think of all the movies that we love so much. It's all within that, like, you know, eight years of kind of living that all these things came out. And to be a young person in those days, I just saw a guy today 
that, um, again, because I have that face, so people feel the need to come over and talk to me about how they never saw Star Wars. <laughs> and it's like the dude was like 60 years old. Yeah. And um, you're like, what the and fuck? We started going through it, and he's just, well, you never really got into it. It was like, shit. Well, how did you avoid it? And I know I brought this up <laughs> last time, but like, dude, you're 60. Yeah. Like you lived through the Star Wars mania. Like, regardless if you liked it or not, you should have at least kind of like, oh shit, I have nothing else to do. There's three movies in the movie theater. Maybe go see Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just, it that that stuff kind of that it blows my mind. But when I'm looking at Spielberg movies. Um, and not to bring the room down, mm-hmm. but I think as far as his best movie, his most watchable movies are the movies we just discussed. Yeah. You know, I'm happy to watch those movies at any given moment of the day. Sure. I know where um, you're going. His, yeah. It's it's going to be Schindler's List or it's going to be Saving Private Ryan. As far as the most um, significant um, movie as far as what he's pouring into it. And shit, I'd even throw in there, and I'm going to get beat up for this one, but I'll just do it. Um, AI. Go. Oh, I thought you were going to say Bridge of Spies. <laughs> no, I didn't throw Bridge of Spies in there. I just watched that the other day, too. Leave Bridge of Spies in so, But AI is also a piece of that. So I, I'm, I'm with you. I think that... I think Schindler's List or Jaws is going to be his best film that he's made. Yeah. Schindler's List is definitely not a rewatchable movie. Um, no. I'm, I don't think Private Ryan... Saving Private Ryan is one of his best movies. I think it's a good movie. I don't think it's one of his best movies. I think it's it's shot beautifully. It's a heavy, heavy topic, obviously. It's one of the best war movies, but it's just not one of my I don't think it's one of his best movies. Right. Let's real, real quick, let's go over his yep. just his his first twenty years real quick. Cool. Because I I love doing this. Um it's something that Tyler and I want to start doing for podcasts. We want to go over like, hey, the first ten years of this actress or the ten years of this actor and just kind of do a long form conversation. But when you, when you hear me start to name these off, you're going to be like, holy shit. I don't know that anybody's ever had a, a, a first 20 years like Spielberg has. Well, not a lot of people yeah. have had 20 years in general. Sure. Jaws, This is these are all in order. Jaws, yeah. Close Encounters of the Third Kind, 1941, Raiders, E.T., Twilight Zone, Twilight Zone the movie, right. uh, Temple of Doom, The Color Purple, which is also a good movie, Empire of the Sun, Last Crusade, Always, Hook, Schindler's List, Jurassic Park, or uh, Jurassic Park, and then Jurassic Park: Lost World. Nice. <laughs> like, are you kidding uh, me? You know, everyone. Oh, right before all, because Always is kind of like I. I liked Always. I, I thought yeah. it was like a cute little movie. Well, you heard me. What was the one that was right giggle. before that? You heard me giggle a little bit. <laughs> I did. I liked that movie. Always, it, it went Empire of the Sun and Last Crusade. Before always, gotcha. Okay, no, 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 no. and Empire of the Sun was a great Christian Bale movie. Yeah, um, but yeah, it's like those movies that you kind of forget that he had anything to do with, and that's that's a good example. Color pur- Color Purple, I think, is one that Color Purple don't is a significant movie, and and not yeah. enough people know that movie. Um, yeah, I, I'm with and him. he got a lot of shit for that movie too, didn't he? He, I, I mean, I, I think he probably did. It's predominantly a black cast, and then you have a white yeah. man. Yeah, you know directing it it seems like something that would come out now would not be that way and, and maybe it shouldn't you know it's a heavy heavy subject matter i don't know i don't know what spielberg has what he can draw from to really understand that subject matter yeah and fair enough but still a successful movie in the Super. sense that it was you know communicating the thoughts and the feelings that were going on at that time yeah and the people that were in it were supportive of him um if i remember it all correctly yeah, yeah i do yeah they, we, one day we're, we'll sit down and do the whole Spielberg retrospective. Yeah, it's on the list. Um, yeah, because the, and that was a great that was a great Spielberg documentary. 
um, that went into all that shit. I don't know. He's he is a guy I admire very, very much. And and I would you know I think you would be hard pressed to find someone who who celebrates movies that doesn't celebrate Spielberg. Even if you're kind of like, well, he's you know big blockbuster guy and he's overrated and I think all that shit is it's bullshit it's I, it's I know, think he deserves all the accolades that's the knock on him now and it's been for a long time is that he's just the guy who takes the safe movies yeah so well. where are you at with him remaking West Side Story oh it's it's not it's a scam it's <laughs> it's it's an easy go he never did a musical per yeah. se so i mean there's some appealing idea to that because you got to look at these guys too and it's like all right well he's in the twilight of his career right yeah. because he's the dude's in the 60s or 70s i think he's in his um, 70s and it's like he's never done that before and if you're if you're spielberg and you want to keep it interesting and do something new shit i've never done a musical before like let's do that like that would be something fun to do and good for him i just don't think we necessarily need it but like out of boy like go ahead and give it a shot yeah i mean i i'm right there with you i don't think we need it he was born in 46 by the way so yeah he's he's, oh, he's as old 70s. as my mom yeah i don't uh i don't think we need it but uh I'll probably end up seeing it. Nicolette's a sucker for musicals, so and I I adore the original West Side Story. So my dad, my dad Bob, who doesn't like musicals, mm. West Side Story is his favorite musical. Awesome. I think he was secretly a Jet, and uh, <laughs> just hasn't come out with it yet. All right, fair enough. Nine million, nine million dollar budget, four hundred and seventy million dollar gross. Wow. Yeah, they made the money back. They did okay. <laughs> is that Lifetime? Uh, that is Lifetime, yes. Cool. So this movie has been That's re-released great. a handful of times. I did not know that it was the number one film of all time for a short period of time. Yeah, right up to Phantom Menace, wasn't it? No, no, no. No, no. The first Star Wars up- uprooted this. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, then it became, it was also the first movie to make $100 million at its time. Nice. So of all of my his- all of my research that I've done on this and any research I've done on any movie, this is this is the most shocking stat I was able to find. Hit me with it. Sixty-seven million people saw this movie in nineteen seventy-five in the theater. Holy shit! <laughs> that is one fourth. That is a quarter of America that year. One in four people saw this movie. Jo- and again, that's the, yeah, in that's- six months, dude. This movie came out in the summer of seventy-five. Awesome. In six because, months. Like, how many movies are coming out? Like, what's it competing against? Is it the first big summer blockbuster? It's hot as hell going to the uh, air-conditioned movie theater. So this movie is is widely considered to have started the summer blockbuster idea. Sure. Uh, originally, so movies at this time, again, this is just me looking into it. Uh, movies at this time only came out usually at about 100 screens and did not do really any TV promotions. Yeah. This movie was going to premiere on 600 screens. But the dude who ran Universal said, let's pull it back to 450 because I want to create a demand for it. I want people to have to drive, you know, into a different city to see it. Like I want it to continuously be hard to see and, and build up that hype. So I usually they it. came out with a, in 100 screens. This came out in 450 screens. My God. And I think the reason so many people went to see this is this movie was rated PG. Right. Not PG-13. Oh, and not PG thirteen didn't exist. PG thirteen didn't point. exist. Yeah, there's zero chance this movie should be a PG movie. No shit. There was I, I I was reading at one point that they were even debating an X rating um, because of that opening scene with the chick yeah. who's skinny dipping. Yeah. Because you see all the naughty bits. There's nudity. Yeah, and there is mo- one of the two of the most alarming deaths to me in any film. So it's it's the opening scene when uh, she gets eaten. Sure. And then when Robert Shaw gets eaten. 
That's fucking yeah. tough to watch, man. Sure it is. Oh, yeah. He sells cool. the shit out of that. Yeah, he does. <laughs> to the great Robert Shaw. You're going to tell me this movie gets a PG and the exorcism, or the exorcist gets an R? No. Well, the exorcist is a whole other like realm of... <laughs> I get it, but I don't know that they're that far off. Well, I, I always... My go-to scene... <laughs> In the exorcist relating to disturbing parts go. that I never want to see it again is the crucifix scene. I understand it goes into the, the bad place. Sure it does. Ooh. But I'm just saying it's a heavier, <laughs> obviously it's a considerably different top or a different source. You know, the, yeah. the source material and just the genre of movie, it doesn't lend itself to a PG, obviously. <laughs> but it is, I am surprised by that because I really, in my heart of hearts, always assumed it was an R. Not a hard R, but I always Dude. thought it was an R. Lady gets eaten at the beginning. A fucking kid gets eaten. <laughs> yeah, and with like you know bellows of blood coming. Correct. Out. So yeah, that's kind of a big deal. And then the, the Kidmer f- boy. And then the fucking you know uh, uh, Quint Robert Shaw. Yeah. He goes. Yeah. It's like a fifteen second just chomp. <laughs> Multiple chomps. Blood coming out of the mouth. Awesome. Awesome. All right. <laughs> Fifty-five day production. Right. right scheduled nice. production. 159 days it took to film this movie. Oh, yeah. It took a little while. They, really, they, they went over production out. by 104 days. Well, you know, Martha's Vineyard's a lovely place. They just didn't want to leave. That's really what it came down to. Have you ever been to uh, Martha's Vineyard? No, sir. It is lovely. We we, we try to go once a year. Okay. Um, it's only like three hours away. But, um, you know, if you're into <laughs> Jaws... You really need to kind of go because there's like a whole, not, there's no Jaws tour, but they're clearly aware that Jaws was like shot there. Yeah. Um, but and- between like Brody's house and um, Edgerton, which is where the town of Amity actually is. Right. Because there's um, no, there's no cool. town. There's no Amity. There's no Amity. The closest thing is Amityville right. on uh, Long Island. No big deal. Right. Um, but it's a uh, beautiful place. I, I can imagine they just didn't want to leave. So I have a buddy who goes to, I don't know if it's part of South by Southwest in Austin, but they screen Jaws in a lake and you nice. watch it while floating in a raft in <laughs> inner tubes. That's awesome. Um, and he said it was simultaneously like the most fun experience he had and genuinely like scary. Oh, really? Just You're, be it in the water and not being able, oh, because it's dark. You don't know what's going on under there. Yeah, man. Oh, there it is. And I think there's probably a fair amount of alcohol that's that's consumed, and you know. Of course. All right. So when they started <laughs> filming, the script wasn't ready. Oh. Or I'm sorry, not when they started filming. When they started production, the script wasn't ready. They continued. Who's writing the script? Uh, that's a good question. I don't know. I don't know. Is it? Oh, it's Carl Gottlieb. It's it Carl is. Carl Gottlieb it and uh, Peter Benchley, and I forgot the third dude there. There was three screenwriters on that. Yep. Uh, and then one of my other favorite little tidbits that I saw about this movie is that. When they filmed that final scene of the shark blowing up, yeah. Spielberg and Richard Dreyfus were already flying back to, to L.A. Oh, no shit, really? Yeah, they weren't there. <laughs> and I guess that has set a, now that is his tradition, Spielberg's tradition, where he is not there on the last day of filming on any movie. I mean, that's a pretty good tradition. Yeah. Because I, I, read... I, I think he was so burnt out of being there. Oh, my God. Yeah. Can you imagine? <laughs> so, like, you have to work. You're like, here's your amount of work. Now, just, like, triple that. That's how we're going into it. Oh. Yeah. Um, but I read a whole thing about, you know, they, 
I think everybody knows the story of like how the shark dies in the book versus how the shark dies in the movie. Why don't you why don't you uh, elaborate on that a little bit? I forget how the shark dies in the book. I honestly don't remember. Do you remember how he dies in the book? No, I, I've never read the book. Oh. So it's a, it's a very much a different way. So um, Spielberg always felt that, you know, considering the movie and considering where they're at and Quint just died and, and you have this whole giant moment, like you need a big ending or a big death to happen to the shark. Right. So they he had come up with this concept of like the, um, you know, the scuba tank in his mouth and then Brody shooting it and makes the shark explode because you're right. going to get a big explosion there. Big summer movie. People are going to go bananas. And Peter Benchley hated the idea. He thought it was the most ridiculous thing ever. Okay. And I guess what, you know, Peter Benchley was on set for a good chunk of the shoot. He's actually in the movie a little bit. He plays a um, reporter, if I remember correctly. Um, He had to be escorted off the set because he kept bitching (laughs) about it. Okay. So it's just funny that Spielberg wasn't even there the day, you know, it blew up considering the writer himself hated the idea of it. Okay. But how does that movie end any other way? Because if you look at all the other Jaws movies or any other like shark movie for that matter, it is the best way a shark has uh, died in any of these movies. So what I'm looking at, it says the shark dies from harpoon inflicted wounds just as he is about to eat Brody. I don't know. That sucks. And then obviously Brody's the one who shoots the air canister and kills Jaws. Yeah. Yeah. There's also <laughs> I know something that Spielberg took out of the book that was there took out of the movie that was in the book is that Hooper and Brody's wife have sex. Wait, what? Yeah, they have like an affair. Hooper and Brody's wife have an affair in the book. What? Yeah. Get out of here. <laughs> Why are you so di- you sound so just disappointed and just dismissive of How dare of they? How dare they? How, Mrs. Brody wouldn't do how that. How dare they? All right. Really? Yeah, man. It just, it that seems silly. It seems silly and excessive. And I wonder if that goes into the idea of, like I said before, Spielberg just not liking these characters. Shit, that would be one of them. It could be. Yeah. So this yeah. obviously spawned Jaws spawned three sequels. And I do <laughs> I, I do not want to get into them because I, I despise all of them. <laughs> That's not fair. They're they're all unwatchable, dude. They don't exist they in my life. They are not unwatchable. They do. Not they are. They're not great, but they're not unwatchable. Uh, the Jaws 4D one, is it 4D or 3D? Which one is it, 3D? Oh, Jaws 3D is yeah. amazing with Dennis Quaid. Don't shit on that movie. That's one of my favorite movies. <laughs> There's no way. You're not being serious. <laughs> I am. I saw that movie in the theater in 3D. It was amazing. To this day, I will, and Leah Thompson's in that movie too. To this day, I will watch Jaws 3 if it's on. I love that you just said with passion. Well, Leah Thompson's in that movie. Somehow that's going to make it a good movie. She's also in Howard the Duck. Uh, and you're going to shit on Howard the Duck? How dare you? You're going to, you know, ostracize a whole chunk of your listening audience. You think that our listening audience is going to be upset because I don't like Howard the Duck? Yes. I think there's a certain level of affection people have for Howard the Duck. She has sex with a duck. She doesn't have sex with a duck. It never actually happens. It's implied. It's not even implied. It's implied that they're like sexual tension, but they never do it. Does he not have a condom? I, he does, but he does. Uh, listen, now, where's, now the, where's the duck's penis? <laughs> well, as an art teacher, I really don't know that. I wish he would have asked me if I was a bio teacher. Mm-hmm, I don't mm-hmm. know where the duck keeps that. All know. right, fair enough. It could be in his ear for all I know. Whoa. Okay. Whoa. So nominated Whoa. for four Oscars, ended up winning three. Yeah, Williams got him one of that one, right? Uh, yes, I... 
Yes, I believe he did. Yes, it got yeah. a bunch of editing as well, sound editing, sure. um, screenplay as well. Screenplay as well. It, it the one it did not win was best picture, mm. snubbed for for Spielberg, not even nominated. <sighs> Fucking animals. Fucking animals. <laughs> they had to stick it to him somehow. That's the one how they stuck it to him. So we're an hour and five minutes into this podcast. Yeah, and I we didn't lo- even talk about the movie. I'd yet. love to get into the the categories. Let's do it. Let's do it. Most watchable scene. Okay, so you have the opening scene. Sure. I mean, is is there a better opening scene in any movie ever? So with, <laughs> I know, I know, you know, that's hyperbole. I say that a lot. You do. That's fine. But that's good. I'm a I'm a creature of the moment. Yeah. The score, the camera angles, are amazing in this scene. Sure. Amazing. The little bit of dialogue you get. Starting at the beach? Starting at the beach. As she runs into the water? As she runs into the water. The guy passing out. Yeah. Yeah. It's amazing. Got it. Single-handedly made people not want to go into the ocean. Yeah. All right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Kittner boy gets killed. The Kittner boy. Okay. Again, I go back to the same thing. Score, the score and the shots he chooses. He, Spielberg lures you into like a false sense of security. Like nothing's going to happen. We're good. Yeah, fine. That Brody's on the beach. What's going to happen? Brody's we got a guy beach? up in the tower. We're all right. Did Pippin get eaten? Did Pippin get Oh, the dog? The dog totally got eaten. God. Yes. No, I'm not into yeah. it. No, that was Spielberg's dog. I did not. Is it? Yeah, I saw that on one of the freaking like little trivia bits that I was reading about. Was, yeah, his, was, was, Spielberg's was the dog's dog. name really Pippin? Oh, piece of shit. I, mean, I don't know. <laughs> you, can't, you can't let your dog get eaten. Yeah, yeah. I'm all not bringing my dog to the beach. Well, you're bringing the dog to the beach because you live over. I bring my dog to the beach all the time. Harry's in the water. I'm more worried about Harry getting attacked by a sea lion. There's sea lions out there, like on the beach. Yeah, yeah. Fuck! What are you living in Antarctica? That's not real. Is that real? <laughs> yeah, man. I'll oh. send you a picture. Yeah, there's no sea lions living out here. He was trying yeah. to swim to him. What? Yeah. <laughs> I our beach. Our beaches out here get closed all the time because they're great. There's great white sightings all the time. Creepy. Because they travel. I think it's like a natural, um, like, I don't know what it is, what they consider it, but it's like a, a, a jetty that travels from, like, Canada down through Mexico, and they travel along that. Gotcha. Like so, a warm jet stream of some sort? Yeah, something like that. Uh, okay. So then we have the town hall meeting. Awesome. With the fingernails across the board. With the fingernails, so that's the introduction yeah. to Quint. Is there a sure. worse group of people in any film ever than the fucking oh, people fucking who are running people. the town? That's, yeah, that is that is the standard, like, you know, town meeting slash board of ed meeting, any town USA of just, like, obnoxious people. These are the people that show up for these things. If you're the mayor of Amityville, a summer oh, town, fuck are you guy. wearing a suit that has an anchor on it? Shit, yeah, because I know how to market my <laughs> town. <laughs> All right. What's his name, Murray? Yes, yes. Murray. Yeah. Fuck you, Murray. Is there the a more Boston, Massachusetts city uh, <laughs> name than Murray? No, it's perfect. All right, Mayor Murray. Uh, then you have Ben Gardner's boat. <laughs> yeah. I love that yeah. scene. How do you not like that scene? I do like that scene. It's That scene pops up quite a bit, and it's one of those scenes like, sure, it's an important piece, but that uh, of that like section, that's not the moment i go to with like you know hooper in the water and like yeah. you know the Are, head comes up and all that shit yeah i i remember the scene before that the um when hooper shows up to the brody's house yes um for dinner and they have that great kind of dinner scene and, and yep. dialogue and 
Hooper finally kind of accepts what's going on there. Like, I love that. That that I, I take away from that a little bit more. Well, there's a scene. So that scene, what you're talking about is when he's there. There's two parts of that scene that I absolutely love. When he opens the water, the, the wine, right? Yeah. And Brody takes it and he and Hooper's like, you got to let that breathe a little bit. And he just pours like blah, a blah, 16 blah, ounce blah. mug. <laughs> Makes me laugh. And then I love the beginning of that scene, though, is where he's wow. had an awful day. Right. Yeah. Obviously, Brody's had a terrible day. Been slapped in the face. Because, uh, you know, the, the, the Kittner's mom comes back, right? Yeah. And he's sitting there with his son and they're making faces at each other and they're like mimicking each other. And I, I don't know. I just love that scene. And a gr- another improv scene. That was a whole improv. Completely. Thing, but yeah, great. Completely yeah, improv. That's... But again, there's I think there's two groups of people for this movie. There's the people that like the uh, the jump scare part of this where the, where the, the head comes out. Yep. And I think there's people that don't like it. I like yeah. it. Yeah. Because that makes him drop the tooth, which if you have the tooth, yeah. there's- You have the, your evidence. Yeah, you're done. You're good. Fucking Murray. Fuck you, Murray. Murray. Is his name Murray? I feel like yeah, we're getting man. that wrong. No, it's Murray. So so I read this whole thing about Spielberg and that jump scare thing. So he even concedes that he got a little greedy with the jump scare. Um, he And he previewed the movie a couple of times. He previewed it without um, the head coming up mm-hmm. scene, and the only jump scare happened- when uh, when Brody was throwing the chum on the side of the boat, mm-hmm. and then the sharp, and that was the one jump scare that was supposed to be in the movie. But because the audience got such a great reaction from it, he threw that other scuba scene into it. Mm-hmm. And then he said, following that, the audience just didn't handle that scene quite as well. Okay, because at that point they were on guard. Now they were expecting stuff I, like that. I don't think that when he's throwing the chum and and the shark, which I'm just going to call Bruce for now on. Because that sure. was the shark's name, named after uh, Spielberg's attorney. Yeah, awesome. I don't think that that's a jump scare. That doesn't never struck me as a jump scare. It, it becomes a holy shit scare. I don't know. If it's, yeah, it's not like your standard jump scare now. It's not your paranormal activity jump scare. Sure. And FYI, his name is Mayor Vaughn. He is played by Murray Hamilton. There's got to be his his first name is Larry. It's Larry. It's totally Larry. <laughs> Because yeah, so that's totally what it is. Because okay. he he calls it. It's, he's got that same kind of shitty. Name, okay. So yeah. All right. Forgive let, me for everyone who's called Larry or Murray. All right. Let's get back into these categories. <laughs> so then you have, like I said, Ben Gardner's boat. Then you have the the shark in the pond scene, which is the first time you get the the shot of you see you see Bruce for the first time. Sure. Like when you actually see the fin and he's going after the guy with the leg. That whole scene. Yeah. Yeah. Everything from the kids swimming and 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 scaring. Uh, everybody in the pool or in the in the pool in the ocean to yeah. you know the mayor being like hey you got to get out there and swim like what are you doing hoaxing the yeah. people in there and then there then you get the shot of Bruce in the pond that's like they they keep calling it the pond which is like a little bay where sure. Brody's kid is and you get the first shot of the dorsal fin and and the rear fin and you can oh, see and, how and, big the goddamn shark is and setting up the iconography for jaws from like now till kingdom come correct that's the shot yeah so if you go to Martha's Vineyard, that bridge that the shark goes under, that Brody's kind of running alongside of him, there's a bridge there. They call it the Jaws Bridge because okay. that's the bridge that is shot. So um, if you drive over there, there are people all lined up along that bridge, and you're supposed to jump off of this bridge. Nope. It is known as the Jaws Bridge, the jump off of the Jaws Bridge. They even sell T-shirts nope. if you jumped off the Jaws Bridge. Nope. So I got friends that live in the vineyard and we went out there and we're sitting at the beach and it's a gorgeous day and 
Paul goes over to Owen, of all people, like, hey, <laughs> you want to jump off the bridge? And Owen's like, yeah, I want to. I'm like, we're not jumping off any bridge. He's like, no, everybody does. You see all those people? I'm like, we're not jumping off. It's totally fine. Don't worry about it, whatever. And then my daughter's like, oh, I think we should jump off the bridge. And I'm like, I'm not <laughs> jumping off the bridge. And then all of a sudden, like, the masculinity is kind of brought into it. They're like, well, I jumped off the bridge when I was a little oh, kid. Oh, man. And I was like, fuck you. Let's go jump off this damn bridge. So we go to this bridge. <laughs> And it's not that you just jump off the bridge. You have to, like, climb up, like, a five-foot fence. Okay. And then stand on the platform, which is, like, you know, five inches wide, Mm -hmm. and then jump off of that. But it's all concrete and stone, like, underneath you. But, shit, there are people all over the place jumping off of this bridge. And they just allow it. They just allow it. Nobody even bothers them. It's just a thing that people do. And um, I go there and Owen's like, I want to jump off the bridge. I want to jump off the bridge. I want to jump off. I'm like, I can't just have, you know, at that point, like an eight-year-old jump off this bridge. And my buddy's like, well, why don't you go first? And then, you know, I will make sure he jumps off it correctly. And that way right. you can just kind of grab him. Right. And I'm like, oh. So I climb up on this fence. <laughs> Here we go. And I'm like, I, ugh. again, you know, I don't know if you know this, but, you know, clearly an aquatic athlete in high school, yeah, as I, per my other story. Yeah, I heard the story. So I should be able to pull this one off. Now, they say it's only like <laughs> two to three stories high from like where you're standing to where the water is. Sure. Shit, it felt like I was diving off of like the Hoover Dam. <laughs> so I get on the thing and I'm like, I've just got to do it, just got to do it. And both kids are looking at my son and it's just like, yeah, dad, go with it. So it's like, it's that moment. Oh, fuck. And so you just bite your lip. And you just do it. So I jump off this thing. And (laughs) instead of going feet first, which was the goal, my stupid body turns completely perpendicular to the water. No. And I belly flop the whole fucking thing. And I get out of the water just in time to hear everyone go, ooh. (laughs) So I jump into it. And I'm just like, at that point, like the wind's knocked out of me. I'm like, I'm okay. I'm okay. And this eight-year-old, which watched his father for about 10 minutes, you know, just kind of renegotiate the priorities of his life, jumps off this thing as fast as humanly possible with caution to the wind. How are you still alive? I have no idea. Jesus Christ, man. These stories, like, I don't understand how you're still living. I don't know. It's like, it's, it's the, the, on one end of me, like, I never did, like, the drunk, stupid stuff. I just wasn't that You don't have to be drunk, apparently, to do stupid stuff. No. And it's just, it becomes those things. It's just like, oh, I'm here, everybody else. Not even like in a peer pressure thing, but like, shit, clearly this is a thing and all these guys have survived. Like, here's a, a eight-year-old over here, not mine, but this other eight-year-old that's jumping off this thing a hundred times, so I should be able to pull this shit off. And um, yeah. So, so all of the Leonard's, I am proud to say, have jumped off the George Bridge so, and survived. So all of this stuff and you won't get a peach tattoo on your butt at Comic-Con. <laughs> If I didn't get I jumped off the Jaws Bridge tattoo on my butt, I will definitely not get a peach tattoo on my butt. All right. All right, Just let's saying. let's focus. We got to focus Sorry, on, the, on the on the But that was a fun story you got it. So when you go out there, make sure you jump off the bridge. Got it. Got it. So we're going to go back Shark in the Pond. <laughs> shark in the Pond. 60 minutes into the film, you don't see the fucking shark. Wow. First 60. That's this is why this movie works. With you. Okay, I just wasn't oh. sure because you weren't saying anything. Oh, I'm with it. I'm like, focus. You told me to focus. I'm focusing. <laughs> All right. So then the last scene I have yep. is the last 70 minutes of the movie. We're taking that as one big scene. Uh, you you got to watch it, man. You can't You're stop. You're going to piss off Tyler. If you can't take it as one big scene. It's in one 
Location. It's shot in one location, one set piece. You absolutely can consider that a whole scene. No, you got to break it into at least three. No. So the first is when they first kind of go out Mm -hmm. and they're like, you know, fishing for it and they set them up on the chair and like that whole bit. Well, before that, before that, you have one of the most iconic shots of the movie is when the when the orca is leaving and Spielberg shoots it through the the jaw of, of the shark. Yeah. Sure. I'm telling you, it's one scene, man. Shoots through the... Oh, from like the actual, like his like little like layer, for lack of a better word. And then just like, just watch it. I mean, fair. It's one of the best shots of the whole movie. Yeah, fair. So I absolutely think that is one scene. We can break it up into multiple <laughs> scenes, but for sake of time, we're just going to say that is one. All scene. right, we'll take it as one scene. Okay, yeah. All right. But uh, well, let's, let's go over it real quick. So you have, right. like I said, that's one of the most, like, there's two iconic shots in this whole movie. That is one of them. I think when he shoots from there, I think the other, and to me, it's it's still one of the most beautiful shots of any movie ever, is when Quint is on the front of that boat with yep. the the spear gun in his hand and sure. the sun is yep. going down behind him. Sure, I'm with you. And Spielberg lets that shot sit there for like six, seven, eight seconds, and it's beautiful. And then we roll into the boat just kind of sitting there, and then we have like whales yep. in the background, which yep. is kind of cool. Sure. And then you go into probably my favorite part of the whole movie, the USS Indianapolis story. Of course. Of course. One of the greatest scenes, one of the greatest monologues um, ever shot. And I would be hard-pressed for someone to say it wasn't. Japanese submarine slammed two torpedoes into our side, Chief. It was coming back from the island of Tinian to Lady, just delivered the bomb, the Hiroshima bomb. 1,100 men went into the water. The vessel went down in 12 minutes. Didn't see the first shark for about half an hour. Tiger, 13-footer, you know? You know that when you're in the water, Chief? You tell by looking from the dorsal to the tail. Well, we didn't know. Which our bomb mission had been so secret. No distress signal had been sent. (laughs) They didn't even list us overdue for a week. Very first light, Chief. Sharks come cruising. So we formed ourselves into tight groups. You know, it's kind of like old squares in a battle, like you see in a calendar, like the Battle of Waterloo, and the idea was, shark comes to the nearest man, that man, he starts pounding and hollering and screaming, sometimes the shark would go away. Sometimes he wouldn't go away. Sometimes that shark, he looks right into you, right into your eyes. You know the thing about a shark, he's got lifeless eyes, black eyes, like a doll's eyes. When he comes at you, doesn't seem to be living until he bites you. And those black eyes roll over white and then, oh, then you hear that terrible high-pitched screaming. The ocean turns red and despite all the pounding and the hollering, they all come in and they rip you to pieces. You know, by the end of that first dawn, lost a hundred men. I don't know how many sharks, maybe a thousand. I don't know how many men, the average six an hour. 
On Thursday morning, Chief, I bumped into a friend of mine, Herbie Robinson from Cleveland. Baseball player, Bosun's mate. I thought he was asleep. Reached over to wake him up. Bobbed up and down in the water. It was like a kind of top. Upended. Well, he'd been bitten in half below the waist. Noon the fifth day, Mr. Hooperi, Lockheed Ventura. So as he swung in low and he saw us to the young pilot lot. Younger than Mr. Hooper anyway, he saw us and he come in low and three hours later a big fat PBY comes down and start to pick us up. You know, that was the time I was most frightened, waiting for my turn. I'll never put on a life jacket again. So eleven hundred men went in the war. Three hundred and sixteen men come out, the sharks took the rest, June the twenty ninth, nineteen forty five. Anyway, we delivered the bomb. All right, so um, the the Indianapolis scene was shot multiple times. And as the, the story goes, the first day they were shooting it, they had to shoot it like seven different ways. Mm-hmm. Um, because the scene called for uh, Quint, Robert Shaw, to be drunk during the scene. So at, at the time of the shoot, um, it was very well documented that Robert Shaw was kind of dealing with a level of alcoholism, and he felt that if he was drunk, um, he would give a better, more you know, real performance if he tried to do that scene inebriated. Okay. Well, it turns out that he was not able to pull that one off, and they ended up killing the day. Okay. So the story goes, Robert Shaw, this very well-versed actor, called a very young Steven Spielberg to apologize for his performance and said, hey, we're going to do it tomorrow. I'm going to do it as sober as a nun in church, and um, it's going to be better. And then the story goes, he was able to do it in one take, and that take is the one that we actually saw. Wow. Yeah, and it is co-written by Robert Shaw. So it was, you know, he had, I think there was a rough of it from Peter Benchley. Um, Robert Shaw wrote a draft of it, showed it to call Gottlieb, and then everybody agreed that it was great, and that's what went forward with it. So that's, that's a huge scene. I think that one of the most terrifying things of this movie is that Robert Shaw was only 48 years old when he filmed it. He was only 48 years old. That dude's only six years older than me. Jesus Christ. He, it's, it's as, as my guy Damien says, it's not the years, it's the mileage. He died three yeah. years after this movie. Wow. He died at 58. Yeah. He was 58 or 51 when he died. Holy cow. He was 48. That just blew my mind. Yeah, he looks like he's 60. He looks like he's 112. That's, it's when he's uh, he's swimming with bow-legged women. Oh, my Another goodness. great line from that movie. <laughs> he's got a lot of great lines. Like yeah. the um, the Spanish lady song is always one of my favorite songs. We're gonna. It's a later category, brother. Are we? Okay. Well, I won't is, get into it. have you not listened to the podcast? You know, I have you know, to, we do best best lines. I know we don't get you know. I can't. All right. So let me just recap real quick because we went on about a hundred tangents. Most watchable yes. scene. Opening yeah. scene. Sure. The Kittner boy gets uh, killed, town sure. meeting, Ben yeah. Gardner's boat, shark in the pond, and literally the last 70 minutes of the movie, which I said, Brody, Quint, and Hooper set sail. Sure. What do you got? I mean, I, I, I can't argue those people. If we're going to take the last chunk of the movie and do it as one big scene, of course, so I can't do anything but agree with it. 
Um, so what's yours? If you're if you don't want to take the last seventy, what's the your sure, favorite? I will go to I'll go to a couple of them. Okay, so stay with me on this. There was always a. Um, and for some reason, it always has to deal with the Brodies, like the husband and wife, um, because I think it was a very interesting relationship and it was a very convincing relationship that they had in the movie. Right. So two things. One I, I spoke of before is that when they came, when Hooper came in and they had the dinner and um, they had to convince um, Brody to actually get on the boat. And it's like, I'm not drunk enough to go on the boat. I'm definitely not drunk enough to go, you know, look for the shark. I think that's a great scene. Mm-hmm. There's a scene that the wife is convincing Brody to let the kid onto the boat. Yeah. Like, he got a boat for his birthday, and he's, like, researching sharks. And he's like, get the fuck out of the boat! And she's like, leave him alone, in that very kind of way. And then she, like, looks at the bo- the book, and she's like, get the hell out of the boat! So I love that one, too. Um, but what I really like is, like, the when the town starts coming together to actually hunt for the shark. So you get everybody and their mother at the docks. Like, everybody's piling into boats. This is when we first meet Hopper. Right. Uh, Hooper, excuse me. And um, they're just piling in. They're throwing dynamite in the water. It's just like a bunch of like yahoos going out there and fishing. Right. But it's a bunch of like great local characters that all you know have their own little shtick with them. There's a whole piece about like, hey, we're not ready because the Fourth of July crowd isn't coming just yet. So there's only like five guys who are like running this town at the moment. <laughs> so those are like key little moments that really are just kind of to do with character more than anything else. And of course, the Indianapolis scene. How can you not like that? one but um yeah it's <laughs> I, I i hate to take that whole last section and do it as one chunk but i agree with you it's it's a very well, uh, memorable and watchable moment if you don't want to take the last 70 minutes yeah sure pick a scene my mine is <sighs> mine is the indianapolis story it's always it's one of my favorite monologues in any movie ever it is Right before that, we have the scar scenes. Mm-hmm. The um, you know, the, the everybody's trying to one up the other guy, and as they're going, you know, Hooper and Quint are like going back and forth, like look at this, look at this, look at this. You got Brody kind of off to the side. He lifts up his shirt for his appendix scar, and it's just like a great little subtle moment. But I like those <laughs> things. I think those are funny. Uh, what I'm going to ask for the third time. What is your favorite scene? Because you've literally said I'm giving you all these great times. scenes. What you're looking for, my heartfelt, this is my favorite scene of the movie, like, period. <laughs> That's what we do in the podcast, buddy. Uh, we pick our favorites. Think. I know. I can't focus that long. You know that. Um, <laughs> you said the Indianapolis scene. I don't. I agree. I just don't want to go for that one. Um, I don't pick I something think there's for a the... Sc- I'm going to give it to you. Shut up. I'm going to give it to you. So there's a scene right before <laughs> when they're actually first seeing the shark. Shut up. Hold on. Hold when on. Hold on. Fr- hold on. Hold on. What? You've li- literally given me like six scenes. And I'm giving you the those, real one right none now. None of those were your favorite. Now, <laughs> no. We're an hour and a half in, like, buddy. I'm trying to give it to you right now. You're not letting me say. So they're like, they're, you finally see the shark and they're like <laughs> measuring the shark. And all of a sudden he get he delivers the line, you're going to need a bigger boat. And then all of a sudden, everyone starts going bananas. Like, everyone starts running around the boat. Like, hey, I need this. I need this. And everything changes. It goes from a very kind of dark, dramatic tone when that shark finally shows up to a very upbeat, fun, adventurous piece. And, like, there's a point that's, like, Hooper is smiling and the music kind of comes up there. And it's just a – it reminds you that you're in an adventure movie. And um, I dare say that is my favorite scene of the movie. I've never heard someone say that Jaws is an adventure movie. Sure. But do you know the scene I'm talking about? 
Of course, but I don't think. Do you that, know the musical change that kind of happens alongside? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's yeah. it's pushed that way because of William's score. Sure, I think that was it. That's an adventure movie, an adventure. Perfect. We got there. We got there. We got there. It takes a little while. You know how it go. We got there. We're an hour thirty minutes in. We've done one. Uh, we've done one category. <laughs> All right, standout performance. It's really three people. It's yeah. either going to be you know uh, Brody, Quint, or or Hooper. Hooper yeah. is personally my spirit animal. I love sure. that guy in this movie, uh, but I got to say it's Quint. I got to say it's Quint too. I, 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 it's hard to say it's not Quint. Yeah, they all play their roles, and I think they all play their roles br- brilliantly. But I don't, I don't think it's anybody but but Quint. He is the he's the most fun to watch. He's the guy when he comes on screen, you are paying attention one hundred percent. And he's barely in the movie for the first half. Right. Sure, as elusive as the shark is. Are you? Would you have been okay if Brody was played by Robert Duvall or Charlton Heston? Because those were the original two people that were supposed to be cast. No, because those guys would have done some. And maybe Robert Duvall, Robert Duvall does not have what it needs to be Brody. No, I don't believe Robert Duvall used to live in New York and is now at Amityville or Amity Island as a ex, you know, chief of police. I'm not buying it for Robert no, Duvall. No. And then Charlton Heston. Um, he's too famous no. at that point for this he's movie. He's too famous. He's too everything. Like, yeah. he's too over the top. I don't think he could dial it down enough to become Brody. No, I don't think so. He would be a better mayor. <laughs> so Hooper was also yeah. offered to John Voight and Jeff Bridges. Oh. oh. Again, not. I don't think those are good fits either way. I, yeah, I'm thinking about Jeff Bridges in the mid-'70s. He might have been okay. Uh, but I don't think he he appears to be like white bread and comes from a rich family and nerdy enough where Richard Drivis nails that. Yeah. He, he's a little bit more relatable. Um, even if he's, you know, if he's coming from a lot of money, I think that's, you know, I think that's fine. But, um, he brings a level of comedy, subtle comedy yeah. to it. Um, that's an important piece. I think Jeff Bridges would have went a little bit over the top based on what he was doing in those days. Yeah, probably a uh, Jeff Bridges would be more of like a jaws three guy. <laughs> He could have been the Australian guy. <laughs> All right, worst performance. I don't have anybody. Nobody gives a bad performance in this movie. Uh, the uh, you want to say the mayor, the deputy? <laughs> I don't think any of those guys give a bad performance. I think that they're obviously not in it enough, and their characters yeah. suck. But I don't think I think they're doing what they're supposed to be doing. Yeah, or the lady that's bitching through most of the um, city hall scene. But um, you're gonna name an uncredited. Yeah, she's got the worst performance in the movie. <laughs> Fuck that lady. It's her problem. Relax. All right, the Jamie Fox the Jamie Fox Award for overacting. Oh. I'm gonna give it to mm. Lorraine Gary. She's pushing it a little bit. Yeah. There is she just they wrote her as like just really, really emotional. Yeah. And she's dialing it up to like a hundred. I think she was married to one of the producers. Isn't she married to like somebody that was like a big wig on which is how she ended up in it? Well, I didn't see that. But she's is I she see. not the star of what, two? She's the star of uh, four. Four. Four, yes. Yeah. Her and Michael Caine. Yes. <laughs> God. Funny. All right. Um so I'm that's... gonna go for the mayor. I'm gonna go uh, Mayor Larry mm. is uh, overacting. He's there. He's there. But yeah. I also gave him he's he's part of the next category. Oh. Who did the most of the least? So oh. I put Murray, Murray Hamilton as Mayor yep. Vaughn. Mayor most Larry. most hated character of all time, maybe? One of them? He's because up he's there. such an idiot. Yeah, he's the most frustrating character because he's just a dick. But really, um, the person who did the most of the least, Bruce the Shark. 
I'm giving it to um, Kittner's mom. What? You're not going to give it to Bruce the shark? <laughs> no, fuck Bruce. No, I'm giving it to Kittner's mom, who was like a local in the vineyard, and she had a slap Brody across the face like seven or 800 times. Um, but I think she's like, she's doing a lot there as far as the parent that A, is like annoyed with their kid because the kid won't get out of the freaking water, like <laughs> I'm relating to you, lady. And B, being like, you asshole, you knew there was a shark in there, you didn't tell anybody, and now my kid is just like chum. Fair enough. Um, so I'm giving it to her. My one problem with that is she is too old to have a son that young. Well, you know. She was a cougar. You're just Whoa. not giving it to her. Whoa. <laughs> this, you're, you're, we're going down a road I don't want to go down. <laughs> All right, so I'm going to say it's Bruce the Shark. You're going with right. Kittner's mom. Kittner's mom. Random. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we have, does this still hold up? So like, yes. does this still work in the movie? I The idea that sharks are man-eaters yeah. and the film being PG. That's all I got, man. Yeah. Everything else no, works. I th- I think even with the sense of a very kind of like grounded, normal, whatever person, if you're letting yourself be immersed in the movie, yeah. I think you are, um, I think it'll work. I, I think it works. It, it, it works with, with our kind of most primal fears, regardless if it has been scientifically proven um, <laughs> if shark was not going to eat you or not. Um, there's still shark attacks. People still get bitten by sharks, you know, not to the level of aggression as this particular shark. But, um, what, you know, I, I think I it does hold up. The The thought is that shark, it's not that sharks don't bite people because that does happen. But yeah. the thought is that it's mistakenly, they, they think they're biting something else and that there's rarely, rarely someone dies by being attacked by a shark. Sure. And never do they get eaten by a shark. Yeah. I mean, someone's not getting, yeah. I mean, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if we're going to go down the road of logic, I guess you got something there. Right? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. What's the matter with you? Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> You're the best, man. Uh, I like to be thorough Don't my ever answer. change. Oh, my God. All right, and then this this still holds up. I think the whole movie holds up. I don't, again, I don't have anything that I'm, besides those two things. I understand you could say the fashion, you could say the cars. Sure. I mean, it's a, it's a, a movie in the 70s. It's a period yeah, yeah, piece yeah. at this point. You know what does hold up? Spielberg's direction. Nope. Freaking Narragansett's. So Narragansett is a beer that they took on the Orca, Holy which is still shit. commercially available. And I just happened to be drinking it as we're doing Whoa. this podcast. Just saying. So the famous Narragansett beer, High Neighbor. So it is a great, if you've never had it, it's actually fantastic. So anyway, that's the beer that he's drinking on the Orca, which is also one of my favorite scenes that he's looking at Hooper and he's like chugging the beer and stares at him and then he like crumples it up. And then Hooper looks back and crumples up his paper cup. Great scene. <laughs> Great scene. That I do love that, and that is what is on your shirt as well, correct? That is crushing it, baby. My kid's got the same shirt. <laughs> I do. There's I, that whole again. That last seventy minutes is full of these little when when they're arguing and and Dreyfus makes that face. Yeah. At, at Shaw, and then he goes up and he has to steer the boat, and he does like the little impressions. Like the the film. That last seventy minutes is filled with great little ad libbed parts by the actors. So apparently those guys hated each other. They, uh, There's a story apparently where they absolutely hated each other and Robert Shaw thought that Richard Dreyfuss was like uh, acting like he was too good for the movie and, and uh, above it and all these things. And, and, you know, he was pompous. And I guess there's like they challenged each other to climb to the top of the orca and jump off. Awesome. And I think that the story was that Shaw did it 
and that Richard Dreyfus like, like he wouldn't do it, and I guess that Robert Shaw just continued for the whole 155 days at whatever point that happened, just berated him about it. As you should. You can't. I mean, he's an old man. He climbed up there. He should be able to do it. He's there. like your age. Yeah, he is. I wouldn't do that like that. I wouldn't even want to jump off the freaking Jaws Bridge. <laughs> I could jump off the top of a boat. Yeah, there's a, there's a ton of stories about them just absolutely hating each other. Nice. But, and again, I don't know if it's just urban legend at this point, but that when they filmed that Indianapolis scene, and that's when the two characters really come together and they start to actually respect each other. Apparently during filming, that's when they started liking each other. So again, I don't know right. if that's just, you know, urban legend at this point or what. Right. And people bonding over certain things, yeah. and, you know. I mean, that's a real story that really stories. happened. Sure, oh, the, yeah. the USS Indianapolis—that's that actually happened. Yeah. The only thing, as I again, I was reading and kind of doing my little trivia bit with it. Um, the only thing that was false was the um, emergency signal. Yeah. Um, that they were able to actually send that off. Yeah, it wasn't and so secret that they couldn't do that. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Would this movie be better if Gary Gary Oldman was in it? And if so, who would he play? It would not okay. be better if he was in it. Oh, is this our first? No, I think I, I think no, there's no, been others. Yeah. But it wouldn't be better. Gary Oldman of that day and age? I mean, you can think about it however you want. Yeah. No, Gary Oldman would bring nothing to it. Nothing. Uh, sorry, Gary Oldman, nope. but yeah. I think, I, it, I think was, it is perfectly I, cast. It was perfectly cast. I don't think yeah, he would bring anything yeah. to it. Sorry, Gary Oldman. Now we come into my favorite category of every podcast. Most memorable line. Ah, ha, ha. So I only intentionally only put five because I know you're going to have more. <laughs> and I am not putting the four-minute USS in, uh, Indianapolis monologue. So we already did that. We did that, but it's not going to count as, as, a, as a line. It's considerably longer, and that's a whole scene. It is a monologue. Yes. So me- most memorable line. You yell Barracuda, everybody says, huh? What? You yell shark. We've got a full panic on our hands 4th of July sure. weekend. From the mayor. $10,000 for me by myself. For you, you get the head, the tail, the whole damn thing. Awesome. I love that. Love, 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 Quint. It's only on island. If you, or It's only an island if you look at it from the water, which is a great way. Right. Brody said it's a great way to think about it. And I think you're going to need a bigger boat. That is that. I mean, that's the line of the movie. It is. <laughs> what do you got? All right. Um, all right. I'm gonna start with um, <laughs> farewell and adieu, my dear Spanish lady. Farewell and adieu, you ladies of Spain. And I don't remember the whole scene. And I don't know. I've looked it up. I can't. Like, is that something that he made up or not? It's like. I have no idea. Which I uh, have you not come across that one as well? I mean, I know what you're talking about. Oh well, all right. So, so I couldn't kind of figure out what that is. Um, there's also boys. Oh boys! Uh, I think he's coming for his new and feeding. I think that's pretty yep. funny. Um, of course, the you're going to need a bigger boat. Um, <laughs> the um. Uh, the taxidermy man, he's going to have a heart attack when he sees what I brung him. <laughs> <laughs> Which is a fun little moment. Yep. And um, and then the last bit was um, when uh, the, the Mrs. Brody is saying goodbye to... Well, there's two in that scene. I'm going right. to give you the other one. The heartfelt one is, um, what am I going to tell the kids? And Brody says, tell them I'm going fishing. Right. 
And uh, but the funnier one is when he's getting on the boat. He's like, "Hey, I saw, I see you brought your rubbers." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's another funny so. one that Quint says is when they're comparing uh, scars, and yeah. Hooper pulls down his shirt and he wants to show him his heart, and then under his breath, Quint says, "You're wearing a sweater," because yeah. <laughs> he's got such a hairy chest. You hairy uh, it's got to be. You're gonna need. I think you're gonna need a you're bigger need boat, a though, bigger right? Boat. I think that that's the line of the movie. I'd be hard pressed. There's a lot of great lines, but it's, um, yeah, yeah, it's got to be that. Yeah, and then what the heck is the? Here's the other one. I think we did it already. I'm not drunk enough to go on the boat. Yes, you are. No, I'm not. Yes, you are. I can't do that. Yes, you can. <laughs> yeah, yeah. When they're gonna go, they're gonna go look for uh, look for the shark after they've they've uh, opened up the tiger shark. Yep. Yeah, there's a whole the Tiger whole there's, like you said there's a whole bunch of scene or a whole bunch of lines that are great when Hooper's talking to all the locals, and he's telling right. them like oh, they're all gonna die, or something like that. <laughs> yeah, there's a bunch of great great bunch of great things. Tiger shark, a what? Yeah. <laughs> all right, Samwise Gamgee for the biggest wet blanket. Oh yeah, it's Brody. Got it. Brody's the yeah the quintessential yeah. Wet blanket. It's him. As he needs to be. He is the guy. He is us. He is the guy we have to convince to do all this stuff. It's him, but I'm okay with it. Yeah. I mean, the Brody character as a whole is a uh, is a great character. Here's a guy who's a retired New York City cop who came out to the island for relaxation, even though he doesn't like the water. Yep. But just kind of expected, you know, that he, let me kind of come here and retire and kind of go in peace and everything that goes along with that and is found with a, uh, you know, this little adventure that is coinciding with it, and poor Brody, the the Brody family gets shit on through the entirety of the Jaws saga, you know, ending in four. And I think they even said like Brody blew his brains out, or like he has something to do with the, the shark. Never got him, but like the shark killed him. Right? Yeah, in, I mean, uh, he's again. I don't the canon, the Jaws canon. Yeah. I don't, I don't sure. subscribe to to two, three, and four. Um, he is a, he is a necessary character in one. He's the person that he's, he's the every man, right? He's all of us. Right. Um, and he's the one who's, who's the most grounded and he's the one who's the least eccentric. You just, you have to have him. Right. Yeah. Uh-uh. <laughs> all right. What do you wish there was more of in this movie? Quint telling stories? Yes. And I want to know what happened to Brody and Hooper when they got back. Just a quick scene. I want to know what that embrace was like with with his wife. I want to know: Are they still friends? Is are, are Brody and Hooper still friends to this day? If they were both alive, I got to say yes. Well, in Jaws two, they actually kind of bring that into it a little bit. Mm. So in Jaws two, as the shark, you know, more shark problems start coming up. Um, there's a whole little scene from uh, Mrs. Brody that she's like, "Hey, by the way, you can't get a hold of him because he's like out in the Caribbean mm. chasing blah blah blahs." Um, so yeah, they, they, they stay buddies. Mm-hmm. So, but I agree. Quint, we need more Quint. You do, but I mean, he's, it's just the right amount, I think, but I could take a little more. I could take a little, a little more. more. Yeah. A perfect amount of shark. I don't want more shark. Don't give me more shark. Don't get me more deaths. Like I'm good on shark and deaths. Shark and deaths. Um, <laughs> but there is a ton of character development and character relationship stuff. Like I'm good on all that shit. Um, but give me more, give me more Quint. More Quint. I hear you. Always. All right. So. Whose movie is this? Ah. So we have Spielberg, right? I think we went sure. over all the reasons this this is him. Um, yep. John Williams, which we didn't really talk oh. about a lot. Yeah. How do we decide? This is, I mean, this movie works because of his score. 
they use yeah. his score as a character and it, they they drum up all the feels they set the tone they set the mood because you don't see the shark this does it sure. for you yeah it does everything a score should do and then yeah, and more bruce the Always shark delivers. bruce the shark you're giving it to bruce huh well i'm asking you like I, those are who i'm, I'm picking those are my 3 but do you have somebody you want to add I'm giving it to one of two people. I agree it should be a Spielberg movie. Okay. Um, but I, Roy Scheider, like, the, the again, Roy Scheider never made it to, like, super-duper fame. Um, but when I reflect on that movie more than anything else, the, the scene that automatically pops in my head each time was the tracking shot to his face when the Kitmer boy yep. actually goes in the water. Yep. Um, and it's like that super zoom thing. Um, you know, that's, that's where I go. So when I think Jaws, I think that hot second. So I'm going to give it to Roy Scheider. Okay. Yeah. I, I, when I think Jaws, I think of obviously the shark, like it yeah. changed how everybody, by all indications, it changed how people thought about water at that point. It still changes it to this day. You think about it. I think a kid see this, sees this movie. They think about it when they go into the water. Um, and then I think right behind it, it is, it is John Williams score. It's it's hit yep. that theme. Jaws theme is forever ingrained in my mind. For so sure. for as simple as it is. Right. And we talked about this during Indiana Jones, during Raiders. Like the, the music itself is the character and when you hear the music, it's not like the Star Wars theme you would think of like Star Wars automatically. You think the Jaws theme, you're going to the shark. You hear the Raiders theme, you're going to Indiana Jones. You hear on the Superman theme, you're going right to Superman the character. Yep. So yeah. Okay. Yep. Love it. All right, so surprise guest, Owen Leonard, Rob's son, who loves this movie, right? All I hear from your dad is how much you love Jaws. That's probably true. Probably true. <laughs> Do you remember how old you were when you first saw this movie? Um, I think I was probably eight. Okay, so not too long ago. Yeah. All right, does it make you afraid of water? Um, I guess for a short period of time it did. Okay. But just not cause... anymore. Not anymore. All right. So your dad says you've seen all four of the Jaws movies. Mm-hmm. What's your favorite? Oh, that's a hard one. <laughs> um, well, I think uh, number three is definitely eliminated. What? Okay. what why? I, I don't know. I just didn't like that. You didn't like... We watch three all the time. Yeah, I know. But <laughs> it just wasn't my favorite. Okay. okay. That's the 3D one, right? Yeah. Okay. Um. Uh, I don't think anyone likes four. <laughs> Good decision. Um, so I guess it's either two or one. I'm gonna have to go with two. Oh. Okay. Wow. Okay. All right. Why is two, why is two your favorite? I feel like it had uh more tension than the first movie. Okay. Oh. Like wow. what? Good. Like what? Where, where was their tension? I feel like there was tension where in the final scene where Brody shocks the shark because it was coming straight at him. Uh-huh. And I and every and I feel like if you were in a movie theater with the um, volume blasting, <laughs> then that would be a really big jump scare. But did that, you, that's true. Did you like the jump scares from the first one? Yeah, they just weren't as good as the second one. Now I remember when you first saw the uh, the dude from the first movie mm-hmm. come out from the boat, like you see the head kind of creep up. That you were oh, like yeah. freaked out by that one. Does that one count as a good jump scare? Yeah, definitely. Okay. 
What's it, what's another good jump scare from the first one? I think a good jump scare was in the first scene, uh, where where the girl gets pulled down by the shark mm-hmm. because oh, yeah. she's just going for a swim, and then you think that she's just gonna be in there for a while and come out eventually, but then she gets pulled down. Yeah. So nice. Owen, so you said the the second one is your favorite, and the the first one is your second favorite. Who's yeah. your favorite character out of those two? Um, I guess Hooper because. Um, because he's just doing the right thing all the time, and he's the uh, expert on sharks. Mm-hmm. Okay, and you met uh, Richard Dreyfus, right? Oh, yes, what a I great did. Story. How was that? Let's hear that. Do you remember? Uh, yes, I do. Um, so we were online for a long time. Uh, I had my painted canvas in my hand. Well, what, 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 what was on the painted canvas? I drew the, I painted the, uh, the front movie title of Jaws on there. You mean the mm-hmm. original painting by Roger Castell, who also painted the Empire Strikes Back poster? That poster? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> okay, good. Okay. So we were on there, and then we finally got up to him, and he was super nice to me. He even told me a story about, about where my name comes from. Mm-hmm. Where does your name come from? I don't remember what he said. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. You remember you, it was a good good experience, though. It was, it, yeah. Okay. Saw Ernie Hudson there. Uh-huh. Okay. I saw uh, Dan Snyder there. Dance? No. Wait. Dan Snyder. Wait. No, who are we talking about? The guy that hit you in the stomach? No, the. the <laughs> it was like the rock singer there. Oh, D. Snyder from D. Twisted Snyder. Sister. Oh, okay, gotcha. Twisted Sister. Yeah, yeah. Um, but um, Sonny Chiba. Oh, yeah. So Sonny Chiba is the guy that you yeah. saw. Yeah, cool. It was, it was kind of a big deal because we were when we were <laughs> waiting online to see Richard Dreyfuss, he came out of the door and he hit me in the stomach and but it was it wasn't like mean or anything. He he kind of he was kind of showing himself to me. <laughs> and and then I didn't know who he was, but then I found out who he was, and I got I. It was pretty cool. Because Daddy awesome. was super excited to see him, yeah. because that was that wasn't this kid's first convention, right? Mm-hmm. Right. What was your first convention? My first convention was in Rhode Island. Yeah. When we went to go see Tom Kenny and Bill Fagerbacki. And who are those people? They're the voices of SpongeBob <laughs> and Patrick. No big deal, right? who else did we meet because one of one of the guys you met um anthony's met as well um it was the guy who played yondu in guardians of the galaxy right you remember his name i have it in my mind but i don't remember michael rooker michael rooker so you got a rookie very cool and he's a nice guy right in real life yeah yep yep very nice (laughs) oh and what is your favorite movie oh um I guess, well, this just changed a, a few months ago. Okay. Because I saw this movie with my grandparents, and I really enjoyed it. Uh, I guess the new Halloween. Oh, okay. Do you like the original Halloween? I do. It was, Okay. I feel like they're both really similar in a way because they both have... Because in the 2018... Jamie Lee Curtis did all of the things that Michael Myers did in the first one. Right. 
so I feel like that was a pretty cool um, show because mm-hmm. because because if you were to watch the first one and the newest one, then it's kind of a pretty hard decision of what you would want to pick to be your favorite. Mm-hmm. Now, is that your favorite over it? Um, it was a pretty good movie. But not as good as Halloween? Yeah. Oh. Okay, I'm sensing a theme here. So do you, are horror movies your favorite movies? Uh, kind of, yeah. Okay. <laughs> and what was it? So you said that, that Halloween had just turned into your favorite movie. What was it before that? Uh, before that... Was I it it? really know. Uh, I think it. I watched after Halloween. Oh, okay. Wow. Okay. How about um, you know Star Wars or Empire Strikes Back or <laughs> Superman or ET, Raiders uh, of the Lost Ark? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna say, Dad's forcing you to like those, huh? Yeah. You watch <laughs> those movies. You yeah. enjoy them enough. Yeah, I do. But. But what? But they're just not my favorite types of movies. Oh. Well. Okay. We'll see if he continues to live in this house. Rob, have you, have you <laughs> with Owen liking horror movies, have you showed him uh, Happy Death Day yet? No, there has been no Happy Death Day in the Leonard house whatsoever. Gotta watch it. I think he'll like it. Uh, we, did, we had a good um, Nightmare on Elm Street yeah. viewing. The original? Oh, yeah. Okay. And number three? Oh, okay. right, number three. Oh, did we watch number three? I guess yep. we did. That, yeah. Oh. So yeah. What about? But, uh, what about like Lost Boys? No mm-hmm. Lost Boys. No. No Lost Boys yet. Okay, that's a good one. I think you'll probably like Lo- that. Well, if- Lost Boys are pretty. I mean, in in the grand scheme of life, I put Lost Boys a lot creepier than Nightmare on Elm Street. There's something about like those guys that are just a little bit too too much. But um, <laughs> but okay. Nightmare on Elm Street. I think if you're if you're like navigated through Nightmare on Elm Street, like the original one, and you're right. kind of expecting certain things, I, I think that's pretty okay. Yeah, yeah. All right, all right. But yeah, so feel- Jaws, Jaws two is your favorite out of the Jaws. Yeah. Okay. But I feel like the scariest movie that I've watched was Nightmare on Elm Street three. It had a lot of uh, Freddy Krueger just popping up. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. And coming out of places that you wouldn't think he would, like in the final scene where he came out of all those mirrors and yeah. dragged people in. Oh. I think the scariest no. movie I've ever seen is Attack of the Clones. <laughs> How dare you? For, all, you? for a bunch of different reasons, though. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I just had this great question, but I just slowly sucked out of my brain. Uh, um, old age. Oh, buddy. my God. <laughs> Damn it. I totally don't remember. All right. Shoot, I can't remember. Oh! Good good podcasting next, here. Next time. Next time, buddy. Next time. Mm. All right. Oh, God. Well. It's gone. Whatever it was. Okay. It was gone. It was brilliant for the moment, but it's totally gone. All right. Maybe we should do this every podcast. Maybe we should have Owen on. I think Owen that's on. pretty cool. Yeah, maybe we should have Owen on to recap some stuff. Sounds yeah. Good. What, what else you got going on today? Anything? What else you want to talk about? Um, nothing much, really. I, I, just, I was just waiting for you to bring up topics for me to talk about. Oh. <laughs> oh, and do you... you want to talk about in particular. Do you watch movies more or TV more? Uh, uh I was going to ask guess... you what, what your favorite TV show is. Uh, favorite TV show, it's switching a lot. 
Okay. But currently, uh, my favorite kids TV show is SpongeBob, <laughs> and I guess adult-ish is The Simpsons. Okay. That's good. Do you watch all the old Simpsons too, or you just watch the newer stuff? Um, it's a mix of both. Okay. Yeah, the old the old original Simpsons stuff is some of my favorites. Mm-hmm. I thought mm-hmm. of the question. So this kid's seen a lot of shark movies over the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. So of all of the shark movies that you've seen, not just the Jaws movies, but like the other shark movies, what's your favorite shark movie besides Jaws? Two. The Meg. The Meg. The Meg. Who was in the Meg? What? Who was in the Meg? Um, Jason Statham. Uh, yeah, and Dwight, Dwight Schrute That's from The true. Office. <laughs> My kids he watch was, The Office. Yep. Be jealous. Yep. He gave up okay. the. Uh, what's the farm he has? What? What? It's the. What kind of farm? Schrute Farms. Yeah, but what? Don't they? Don't they have something specific like beets? It's or a something? beet farm. Sure, yeah. it's a beet farm. Beets. Beer, Battlestar Galactica. <laughs> How about Sharknado? Awesome. How about what? Sharknado. Oh, I haven't watched that. You didn't watch Sharknado? Mm-hmm. Oh, my bad. How about Deep Blue Sea? Oh, that was good. Now, remember the guy with the parrot? Remember the guy with the parrot in the in Deep Blue Sea? No. You don't remember the guy in the parrot? He had to hide himself in the oven. Oh. <laughs> that was uh, that was frightening. It was frightening. Now, was that guy a priest or a cook? I don't remember these things. <laughs> hey, hey, Rob. His his yes. character name in Deep yeah. Blue Sea is Preacher. Oh, damn it! So, <laughs> just wanna just wanna let you know. Just, just wanna clarify it. <laughs> we're just we're just rounding it. We're just we're just bringing it back. Oh, and what's what's the the summer movie? What are we most excited to go see? In the summer? Yeah. What's your favorite? What's your upcoming? What what are you and I? What do we have to go see in the theater? Child's Play. I really don't want to see Child's Play. Okay. All right. Be- <laughs> besides Child Play, what are we looking at? Um. Not Spider Man. Oh yeah, that's a g- yeah. <laughs> okay. Um. There are a lot of movies that are coming out that I want to see, but they're not in the summer. Oh, what but, do you want to see? Well, I wanted to see It Chapter 2 that's coming out. Isn't that a summer movie? Is that a summer movie? Uh, September. Sep- ah. But do you know what's going to come out the same day as this podcast? What? On Netflix? Into the Spider-Verse? No, Into the Spider-Verse is already out. What, what, what TV show do you really like that's only on Netflix? It's about kids. Oh, season three of Stranger Things. Yeah. Are we excited about that? Oh, yeah. Oh, you are excited about that? Yeah, July 4th. Oh. Do you prefer season one of Stranger (laughs) Things or season two of Stranger Things? I guess season two. Why why would you like season two? Uh, Because all of the characters are more developed and you can kind of get more of an idea of the characters. And... uh, I mean, like, I I really like the Demogorgon, but now, but in season two, there's the Demogorgon and and the upside down monster. But there's that in season one as well. Not the so monster. Yeah. Not the monster. Yeah. Not in. Not, oh yeah. Not the, oh, the spider the guy. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. And the demi dogs. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no. But you like season two. Mm-hmm. 
And Sean Astin is is in season, uh, season two. Oh, do you gonna like make... Sean Astin? Yeah. Awesome. Gonna make gonna make some people very happy. How do you feel about Backstreet Boys? <laughs> They're alright. I, I I don't know. You don't that. know the Backstreets? No. I want it that way. Yeah, but that's the only song that I know. From that's that. the only song you really need to know. And how do we feel about Leonardo DiCaprio? <laughs> I mean, he's a good actor. Uh-huh. It's been a lot of different movies, like Titanic, which put me through torture for four <laughs> hours. <laughs> Do you think his face looks like a thumb? I mean, like, if you if you take away every, all of the features, then I, I guess kind of. I rest my case. <laughs> uh, that's so funny. He does look a little I mean, bit like a thumb. But don't we all? It does. Don't I mean, we all? It's so round. His <laughs> face is so round. You could say it. He's a terrible actor. You could say it. No, he's not. He is a terrible actor. No, he's not. He, sure he is. He's he's not, Owen. You're correct. He's a good actor. Well. Okay. You're, Owen's right. I mean, your dad's favorite movies are Star Wars, so. Who is your favorite actor? Uh, uh, Mark Hamill. Nice. Ooh, good choice. Yeah. Mark Hamill will be new, expecting a check. He's in Chuck. the new Chucky movie, the new Child's Play movie. Mm-hmm. Oh, is that why you're you like him at the moment? No, I no, I just think he's like a good actor, and like if his directors give him a part to do, and he does that perfectly. Oh, very good. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. All right. Well, thanks for being on, Owen. We'll, we'll, we should do this. Uh, we should do this every now and again. If you want to yeah. be on, we should have you on for a few minutes. Is that okay. something you want to do? Yeah. Awesome. Maybe, maybe if when you go see, uh, you and your dad go see Child's Play, maybe you can come on and give us a quick review about it. Okay. Yeah. Sounds good. Perfect. Thanks, buddy. I appreciate it. Thank you. Underrated, overrated, properly rated. Oh. Well, I think I said before. I think the people who are like shooting this thing down to get it to ninety percent, I think you're out of your minds. Um, I think the the critics rating is is appropriate. I think the the you know fan rating is a little low, but it's it's slightly underrated. But again, you're I'm I'm yet to find someone like talk, we'll start talking about Jaws and they'd be like, ah, it's a dumb movie. So I think it is very much a properly rated movie. Yeah, I think just by nature of. It being as old as it is, it's probably a little underrated where I don't know that people are seeing it anymore or people are, it's not on TV very often. It's on yeah. TV around 4th of July. Uh, sure. It's, I think that when you, again, where we're at as a society, people will start to watch the Marvel movies and things like that. And they will think those are cinematic masterpieces and they don't yeah. go back and watch movies from the seventies, the sixties, you know, they're not watching like Butch Cassidy and the Sundance kid. They're not watching The Sting. They're not watching Godfather, like these classic, classic films. So I think just right. by by nature of that, I think that it's underrated for me. I think, and for me in my own mind, it's properly rated for how I think, how I view this movie. And I, it goes back to, as we've said time and time again, the things that we need to do as good parents and good mentors <laughs> is to make sure that these kids are seeing these movies and, and appreciating them for what they are. All right, everyone, that is the Jaws podcast. Something uh, Rob and I were really excited to do. Pretty excited that we could release it now since the movie takes place on 4th of July and this is releasing on 4th of July. I just want to ha- tell everybody to have a happy holiday. Be safe. Don't blow off any fingers. Uh, use those five-star reviews on Apple Podcasts. 
seen a couple of them come through recently. Always makes me uh, makes me smile and kind of blows my mind that people actually listen, take the time to do it. So I, I definitely appreciate it. Um, thanks to Rob for being on. Definitely give us a follow on Instagram at the Morning Geekdom, Facebook and Twitter at Morning Geekdom. You can always shoot us an email if you want to. You have some ideas, show ideas, want to discuss the podcast, anything, themorninggeekdom at gmail.com. Also, we're going to be doing a, uh, a contest here pretty soon for some, for, some, uh, for some new Morning Geekdom t-shirts. So I'll let you guys know about that coming up uh, on social media more than likely, also on the podcast. And uh, we'll do it again next week. Shout out to Gary Oldman.